Ahoy, hoy. Welcome in. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks for rolling into the spot. I am Tyro McLaughlin. You can follow me on Twitter, wherever my thing is, at that one. Uh, uh, Travis is not here tonight, so I want to start with that. I thank him so much for, for some of the logistics he always takes care of. And, of course, he gives his seal of approval in spirit. Julian, thank you for joining me. A little birdie told me that you are landing a whale on your podcast this week coming up. Uh, so is it true that you are getting Jordan McNamara, and how are you doing? I am doing great, man. And that is true. On Friday, I'm going to be um, interviewing him. We're going to be going over, um, you know, a couple different uh, um, different things. So I'm super pumped for that. I'm, I'm still working on the show sheet, but it's going to be a blast. And yeah, man, it's just, it's, it's been a, a good Saturday, been a good weekend. I spent all day editing that uh, terror that was last night's episode. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's good to go up on Spotify and Apple now. So you can go find it there. Yeah, yeah, I, I watched it live. You could definitely do uh, the strobe dance to that one. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, so, yeah, make sure you're following at the point after FF. That episode will be hyped up by the TNFF crew, no doubt. So, also, Brian is not here. Wanted to mention that. Very devastating. And, Travis, thanks so much for setting everything up. But we have guests tonight. We have fantastic guest, D Brown, first up, a returning guest. Uh, great follow on Twitter. One of my one of my good internet friends as well. Uh, at D Brown, FF88. D Brown, you are, of course, of Dynasty Suns fame. The crew over there is too good to not be following them on Twitter, at Dynasty Suns. Linda was actually in my Scott Fishbowl division, and we were honored uh, to have her on a little while ago. And uh, DZBFF, you and I are all battling in a fantasy league, all headed to the playoffs in that gong show league. Uh, we have to get him on, and Brother Matt, too. So how, how are you doing, D Brown, Danny B? Doing good, man. Uh, starting out the weekend, watching some college football with, with my boys, and uh, just kind of started to dabble and build some lineups for DFS tomorrow. So I'm excited to run through the slate, and then when I have to get up 7.30 with the boys in the morning, I can kind of finalize all my lines, knowing that we've kind of covered every game from head to toe here tonight. So I'm, uh, I always enjoy doing these with you guys, and I appreciate you all having me back on. No, the pleasure is always on our end. Uh, Justin, the same same can be said for you, my man. The Clock Management YouTube channel, big fan. Make sure everybody is subscribing, Clock Management YouTube channel. You can type in, like, Clock Management Fantasy in there. It'll pop right up. That's the way I did it. Uh, they give away yeah. autographed jerseys. And, man, you and Perry, you guys have a really good rapport. You do such a good job on there. Uh, and you're a great follow in yourself. And there's a link to your YouTube channel on your Twitter bio. It's at Management Clock. Some inverse action going on there. Uh, but, yeah, make sure you subscribe to them <laughs> yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, uh, someone robbed so me. Yeah, really, exactly. And, yeah, what are you going to do? Go pay, like, 10 grand for the name? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be on here. I love, uh, you know, watching your guys' show as well. So it it's awesome to finally be on here. Yeah, and I, I found that like the YouTube community is pretty strong, and I, I wasn't necessarily anticipating that. So it's been a real treat. Uh, who here is in the Scott Fishbowl? Is everyone here in the Scott Fishbowl? Yeah. 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 Who's who's in the playoffs? Yeah. So, um, so I I'm not sure actually. Me and my co-host have a team together, and I actually haven't touched it in like two months. <laughs> <laughs> pins and needles, pins and needles. Julian, you made the playoffs, right? I did, man. Well, I'm in the wild card, so we'll see what happens this week. But me too. I'm, me uh, too. I'm pumped, man. It's going to be a blast. Right on. Well, you are going down, D Brown. What about you? Did you make the playoffs? I did not, sir. Um, no. I actually finished 
literally at the bottom of my division. <laughs> Um, Better than the middle. Better than the middle in this format. I started with uh, Breeze and MT as my first and second round picks. And needless to say, that didn't work out for me too well. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, you got to shoot for the stars in that format. (laughs) There is no uh, two-way, no bones to be made about that. So, guys, tonight we're basically just going to run down the slate. We're going to give lots of good pertinent information. I'm going to waste no time with the rundown. Most of you have been with us before. If you haven't, thank you so much. And uh, leave a comment. You know, we'll try and get... uh, get your topic in on the conversation. So the teams on by that we won't cover are going to be the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just those two teams, but does mean there's lots of wide receivers. And I did want to mention the Buccaneers strike. The schedule coming off their bye week is just ridiculous. Uh, you know, are you guys trying to go out and buy anybody from Tampa Bay? Uh, not not specifically think, for yeah. me, just because I think like most of them have such big names associated with them. The the buying price is just too much. Yeah, that's actually kind of perfectly put. I, I agree. So we definitely just need some fillers at the wide receiver position that we're going to be looking at. Let's start with the game that actually has the highest total on the board. I'm going to start with the Cleveland Browns at the Tennessee Titans. It's a 10 a.m. on the West Coast, uh, 1 p.m. for all you suckers out there. The Browns are eight and three. Titans are also eight and three. And uh, after they beat the Colts last week and the Colts, by the way, happen to be the Browns only win on the on the year, if you ask me. So this is a big test for Cleveland and for fantasy intrigue purposes for the degenerates out there. uh, The total is sitting at 53, which came down a little bit during the week. The Browns actually score 32 points or more in five of their first seven games this year. They have fallen way down since partly due to weather. The Titans are quietly the fifth highest scoring offense this season, just under 30 points per game. So D Brown, are you on board with this being kind of a game to break ties for? Are you targeting it for DFS purposes? Uh, yeah, you know, I do kind of like this game. Um, both both these teams really excel, you know, establishing the run and then building off of it with play action. You know, both teams sitting at eight and three. Um you know, I think what Tennessee really needs to do is establish stopping the run and really put it into Baker's hands, force him to make the decisions and force Baker Mayfield to beat him. And I don't know if we'll see a Baker Mayfield that's capable of doing that. You know, I, I do like him as kind of a bounce back opportunity here. I do see this game kind of being a shootout uh, in terms of it, but it's just going to come down to who who can really establish that run game early and uh uh, get up early and be able to keep that momentum going yeah uh, it's perfectly put like definitely comes down to these running games really quick this is a rematch of last year's season opener i wanted to mention when the titans just kind of blew out the browns uh you know it was a high total 43 13 but not a shootout by any means it's actually a really weird game both teams were under 350 yards on offense they combined to go three for 20 on third downs the browns in that game took 18 penalties for 182 yards so the reason a lot of us actually remember that game is because Derrick Henry took his only catch in that game for like a 75-yard house call. That was awesome. Uh, but yeah, that's where we have to start. Like D. Brown said, the run game, run, run, run game. Uh, the Browns and Titans are the number one and number two rushing offenses in the NFL. They combined for almost 320 yards rushing per game, these two teams. So, Justin, what say you? We have three stud running backs on the menu for fantasy this game. Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. Is that the order in which you think they should be ranked for this week? And just overall heading into the fantasy playoffs, is there one of those three that you would really bet on carrying folks to a championship? I mean, Derrick Henry has to be the number. Like, yeah, he's carrying you to a championship. The just the Titans lineup going into fantasy playoffs like is incredible. So, yeah, I'm I'm riding Derrick Henry all the way to a championship. 
uh, and I'm, my co-host always jokes about how Derrick Henry has horse legs. Like he does not have human legs. He's a centaur running down that field. So he, he can carry me to that championship for sure. Uh, but then Nick Chubb is my number two out of or, or in that list. So between uh, Derrick Henry and Kareem Hunt, uh, he's just so consistent and he gets it done. Uh, like you said, or I don't think you talked about it yet, actually, but his stats last three weeks, over 100 yards every week, uh, just consistent two touchdowns, I believe, in that time. So he's just so consistent. Like uh, it, all three of these guys are just amazing. But if you want to split hairs, then yeah, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, and Derrick Henry by far is my favorite running back going into the playoffs. Yeah, just a, a fantasy league winning machine, that Secretariat Henry. Uh, and you you mentioned the strength of schedule for the Titans. Like the strength of schedule is particularly attractive for the Browns, too. I think uh, like yeah. the Titan, Titans is a great matchup this week, but weeks 15 and 16, they get the Giants and Jets in fantasy championship weeks for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I definitely yeah. like Nick Chubb, too. Like he's just noticeably out snapping Hunt since the bye week and just really, really out producing him since the bye week. And, uh, I think it's just crazy when you when you compare those two stats. Uh, and I think what Kareem Hunt has going for him is kind of that goal line work, the pass catching work, both of which have waned over the last few weeks since Nick Chubb's come back. And uh, I just, you know, if you look at the catches in those last three weeks, Hunt has four catches, Chubb has three. So the passing work is more Baker not throwing to the running back. So I think it's kind of interesting. Like, D Brown, what are your thoughts on Kareem Hunt? Like, Say you've been reaping the rewards of Kareem Hunt all season, but you got Raheem Mostert back. Who would you start between those two this week? Mostert plays the Bills. Um, you know, I I I might lean towards Mostert. Actually, you know, he's still kind of he came back and showed enough last week to where I kind of have a a little bit more confidence in him. Um, but you know, I I love. Kareem Hunt's kind of a fade for me this week in DFS. I, you know, if I'm paying up, I'm paying up for Derrick Henry, paying up for Nick Chubb, both guys I love this week. Um, but as far as the Titans go, Anthony Ferkers uh, is uh, probably one of my favorite tight end punts this week at, on DFS, coming in at the minimum 2500 price tag. Really allows you to do some uh, extra nice things with that uh, flex position. But he's produced even when John Johnu was healthy and playing uh, with Johnu uh, officially ruled out. I, I do like him with a, a lot of sleeper up here. Absolutely, and that's you know that's where I was going to go next was these injuries. Like Johnu Smith is out of this game, and you know you're right. Like Ryan Tannehill, especially on third downs in the red zone, like he's looked at Anthony Berkser this season. We've seen Anthony Berkser be extremely efficient when called upon as well throughout his career. And uh, I think it also helps AJ Brown, right? Like the AJ Brown wide receiver one season enthusiasts uh, rejoice. And I think that's coupled for AJ Brown with the fact that Cleveland will be without their top cornerback in this game. Denzel Ward will not play again. And on the other side of Dory Jackson is still out. There's some hopes earlier in the week he could play, but he's, he's part of the reason that we've been able to exploit this type Titans uh, secondary all season long and both teams have sensational offensive lines. That's something that always goes without saying with both of these teams, both these run games. But for Tennessee, uh, Roger Saffold didn't practice all week. Nick Harris is questionable up front for Cleveland, JC Treader and the revelation that's been Wyatt Teller. Those guys are both banged up. They'll both play. Um, Kaderil Hodge is out. So is Taewon Taylor. Just occurring to me, Taewon Taylor, that's robbery. That's a revenge game that we're getting robbed of. Mm. <laughs> but Hate yeah, to see it. yeah, maybe in a game like it is such a high total that 
maybe Rashad Higgins could be in play for deeper leagues. Baker did miss him on a wide open touchdown last week. Uh, he also led the wide receivers uh, in snaps against the Jags. Also, Jeffrey Simmons is out for Tennessee, a young, talented interior defender, which helps the Browns run game. Meanwhile, the Browns guys get their best player on the team back. Defensive player of the year candidate entering the season for me was uh, so Miles Garrett. Uh, lots of injuries there, but getting Miles, you know, that that's a big treat for Cleveland. I think he could crash the party hard. Like, Jules, do you think that will have an effect on, like, the structured Titans offense? And, you know, no need to spare good buddy Will's feelings here. What are your thoughts on Tannehill? Like, are you trusting him as a, a top 12 quarterback? Yeah, you know, I obviously I think Miles Garrett's going to be able to make an impact in this game. But if I'm Tennessee, and I know he's coming back this week, he's the defensive piece that I need to make sure I stop in order for my offense to run properly. So I'm, I'm doing everything I can to, you know, double teams and whatnot to make sure that uh, miles Garrett is at least handled. And then we can take care of the run game um, on, you know, on our own. So uh, I think as long as that run game can get going, I like Tannehill because it opens up that play action pass. You know, I think this game is going to come down to who's able to, uh, have an effective run game and and who's able to really establish it and be that dominator. Uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan of um, fantasy pieces in this game outside of the main ones because I just don't think there's going to be that much scoring. I think it's going to be a ground and pound game on both sides and uh, both of these teams are going to be you know just focusing on clock management and and just trying to grind it out. So yeah, that's that's my piece here. Yeah, I, I do like Perthier though. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree. Like I just, it kind of surprised me that the total was so high in this game. Um, and Tannehill being ranked so high, he's a top 10 quarterback and expert consensus rankings this week. It kind of makes sense. Like the state of the position is pretty sad right now, quarterback. And this week, the Browns are a top 12 matchup four quarterbacks in fantasy, probably more advantageous than that because of some of the weather games. Uh, and the Titans get the Jaguars next week. But I ask because he just kind of has started to look human in Tennessee after looking like a robot since coming to that team. And we, yeah, it's just kind of the, the Kirk cousins effect, right? Like in games, yeah. Derek Henry goes off. You just worry that can Tannehill do the same? Cause it has to be via play action via super efficiency. So, cause you know, the pass attempts will be low. Um, but speaking of run first offenses, trusting a quarterback for fantasy, like, you know, it is a headache, and I know D Brown's out here. Baker Mayfield, he's in a nice spot. This Titans defense, the Browns are actually pretty big underdogs on the road, so they're they're asking that Cleveland's going to have to play comeback. And he also gets the Jets in Week 16. So what say you, Justin? Any chance Baker's in play this week or come Fantasy Championship week, or is it just too hard to oh. bet on this offense? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's not something I want to bet on, right? Like, it, it, I definitely want to have better options than that. And I think that there are better options out there but also i think that he is a streamable option from from week to week like there there are going to be teams that could use definitely utilize him where he'll still make it into that that top you know wide receiver or sorry quarterback one uh uh realm so i i think he'll be serviceable but it's not someone you want like you're excited about yeah, and I think, like, I compared him to Kirk Cousins. Like, if he had the weapons of a Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen might be a little different for perception. Because, like, a quick ask about his weapons. Like, D. Brown, you haven't been on in a while. I've been laughed out of the building here for bringing up the scoreless loser that was Jarvis Landry. I kept bringing him up for GPP purposes and stuff. But now I bring him up for seasonal leagues, boys, because Buddy blew up last week. Motherfucker scored. He even broke 100 yards receiving. Uh, his 11 targets were a total monopoly with the next highest Brown having three and I also just lean into that strength of schedule a little bit. So is Jarvis in the wide receiver three flex conversation, DBZ, or is he still dirty laundry to you? 
Uh, you know, I, I really don't feel confident. You know, maybe if Baker comes out this week and kind of gets him going again, I'd feel better about it moving forward. But, I mean, if I'm starting any piece of the passing offense in Cleveland right now, it's pretty much Landry or nothing for me. Um, you know, I just haven't seen the passing volume really get to a point where I feel confident starting multiple assets. Uh, you know, Hooper's kind of been a big disappointment this year. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I – I think for fantasy purposes, for dynasty purposes, Baker kind of needs to come out and, you know, throw some solid games together. You know, unfortunately, though, Chubb's the best player on the field. and I think they're just going to hand him the rock and let him do what he does. Yeah, totally. And this is another one where I find the expert consensus rankings just overrating this game a little bit because he is ranked as a back end wide receiver, two according to ECR this week. Oh, wow. Yeah, like he's around guys like Debo Samuel, Cole Ble- uh, Cole Beasley without John Brown. Like I'm easily playing those guys over Jarvis Landry. But another yeah. dude, speak of disappointments in the same vicinity of ECR as Landry, is on the other side of this game. It's Corey Davis, who does have to fight for volume at all times, basically. I also mentioned these these teams played last season. Granted, it was Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Feels like a million years ago. Uh, still, Corey Davis caught zero of his three targets in that game against the Browns. But to try and encapsulate how well he's played this season and also how efficient this low volume passing game is in Tennessee on PFF, Corey Davis is only behind Devonte Adams, Justin Jefferson and Julio Jones in yards per route run. So for fantasy, we have really flip flopped on him as like a wide receiver three this season. He's ranked as a wide receiver three in expert consensus rankings this week. I'll ask you, Justin, even though I know from listening to your program that (laughs) you are very anti Corey Davis and rightfully so rightfully so, man. But given the matchup, the momentum is top 36 fair or like who would you start over him and Jarvis Landry if you had to? Oh, man. Um, so I like I I give him a lot of crap because of, you know, the past is past. But like to be fair, this season has by far been his best season. So, uh, I mean, he's been play definitely startable multiple weeks, but uh, I, I don't. I, I don't feel comfortable with it because as we had talked about, like, you know, both teams are going to want to establish the run. He's fighting for volume. Uh, he, there's a chance he just doesn't get, there's not enough passes to make him a startable player uh, for this week, you know, especially in a game where both teams want to run the ball as much as they can. Um, so I, I I don't really feel comfortable throwing him in there in, in my lineup. I, I'd prefer not to. I, I get there's lots of injuries and stuff. People may be forced into it. Um, but I would definitely rather start Cole Beasley than, than him for sure. Like without John Brown, like that's just seems crazy to me. Ditto, ditto. And I think there's also, like you mentioned the, the, the volume, like, yeah, Johnny Smith is out, but also Adam Humphreys is coming back. I failed to mention him rattling off the injuries there, but the Titans do use him in the middle of the field and as frustrating as that is. And against zone defenses, Johnny Smith being out in this game, it helps ease our concerns, I think, a little bit about Corey Davis, but A.J. Brown should probably get the work in the middle of the field anyways. He's just so goddamn unstoppable there. And the same, you know, could could be said about him in the red zone. I also think A.J. Brown, hopefully he sees a deep target or two with Denzel Denzel Ward out. Fuck Lee Raymond, if you ask me. But Miles Garrett, like, he could disrupt this whole thing. And Tennessee, you know, the, the play action might not work. And A.J. Brown is the only guy who might work 
after the catch if they can't get the running game going. And really, I just think it might come down this game like to whose studs kind of look the studliest. Like, can Cleveland go all creamy chub on the Titans? Can Derrick Henry do Derrick Henry things? And A.J. Brown, like, just break a big one. Like, I don't think he scores a touchdown on a on a return touchdown again this week, but he could definitely uh, 69 on a catch and run like he did last week. So, Jules, any thoughts on A.J. Brown or the Titans wide receivers? And maybe just finish off this game with the Browns tight ends. Like, any interest in Austin Hooper this week? Oh, no, man. I mean, that it's got to be a deep league or I got to be real desperate to, to roll Austin Hooper out there. Like I said, this is to me, this is going to be a, a, you know, 17, 21 type of game. And I just I think most of those points go to the running backs. So and, and I think they drive the field with the running backs. A.J. Brown, I think he could break a big one. But, uh, you know, if I have him, obviously, I'm putting him in my lineup. Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys. I don't want any of it. I'll be I'd rather be wrong. <laughs> then put him in my lineup and, and get three. So yeah, it, it's really hard to break ties in favor of Titans players. So let's go to a more exciting game from a real life lens, probably rather than a fantasy lens, but I think we should hit it because of that. So let's go to the desert, the Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals, the desert dwellers. They dropped a really tough one to the Patriots last week. The Rams are coming off a rough one themselves. They lost on a game winning field goal to your 49ers, Justin, uh, San Fran sweeps the season series against the Rams, by the way. Later, Justin, maybe I'll ask you about the stadium in Arizona and <laughs> in reference to the 49ers. But yeah. uh, the 49ers do go down in history. They handed the Rams their first loss in that new building. And I'll just tip my cap right now. Kyle Shanahan, 4-0 over the last two years against Sean McVay. But yeah, my point is both teams coming off really tough losses and games they probably should have won. And now a big division rivalry, just a huge game in general, given these teams records. Uh, even at home, guys, Arizona are three point underdogs. The Rams have won six straight games against the Cardinals. So, Justin, the total in this game doesn't really reflect the set of weapons on both sides. Maybe it's a tribute to the defense for the Rams. So the total is just 48. Do you think this game does let down a little bit, or do you see these offenses being able to overcome it and put some points on the board? No, so I do think that it's kind of a letdown. Like uh, the NFC West, like these divisional matchups always tend to, they, they play each other very well. It's always competitive games and usually not super high scoring. So I, I actually think that, it, you know, it might be under the point, <laughs> the point uh, total. So totally. uh, yeah. And it, that is so true, man. Like being up here in the Pacific Northwest, we get a really good feel of that while everyone else is already asleep for those kind of those kind of games sometimes. And you, you just make some really good points. And on the surface, I think it's like almost a classic offense versus defense matchup here. And you you kind of have that tough decision, like deciding if you think Arizona can move the ball, if they can score. They're a top 10 scoring offense in the NFL, but the Rams are just one of four teams allowing under 20 points per game. So the ball is in the Cardinals court, so to speak, I think. Uh, what do you guys like? Let's talk about Kyler Murray. He's quarterback seven in expert consensus rankings right now. That is the lowest he's been ranked in months. Obviously, he's the, the quarterback one overall in fantasy right now. So I don't know if it's the matchup or what. I mean, quarterbacks do score the second fewest fantasy points against the Rams. But where do you stand, Danny B? Are you downgrading? How worried are you about Kyler's shoulder, the performance last week? Where, where are you sitting? <clears throat> Uh, no, I'm not too worried about Kyler. I think I think he's electric enough with both aspects of the game that he'll be able to come through and put up points. Um, you know, I do kind of agree it might be kind of a lower scoring affair. Uh, you know, just looking at the two teams, um, you know, the running backs are kind of hard. You know, I think you, you don't really feel great about Edmonds anymore at this point. Uh, he just hasn't been producing. Drake has been, but uh, – 
the Rams are really good around the line of scrimmage and they're really good at the back end. Uh, you know, they kind of have a, a few no-namers really been playing linebacker all year, but they're just kind of uh, fluctuating guys in and out. And they're able to be pretty disruptive on both ends. So, uh, you know, I think he could have some struggles, but all in all, I'm not fading uh, Kyler at all. If I have him, I'm firing him up, no doubt. Yeah, and I, I kind of ask because last year we saw it a little bit when he was dealing with a hamstring injury. Like the they just like it coincided with Kenyon Drake exploding for fantasy, so it's hard, you know, cause versus causation. But the schemes, the no huddle, shotgun alignment, the threat level midnight that Kyler is, it just builds in so much efficiency in this run game. So I think they might have success whether they design runs for Kyler or not. We sure have seen it. Like Arizona averages over 150 yards rushing this year on offense. But, you know, yeah, Kyler has contributed a lot of that. And the Rams are a top five run defense in the NFL. Uh, I think it's interesting. Like they should design some runs. Kyler Murray has 650 rushing yards this season. 562 of those have come before contact. So he's literally almost never touched. Um, Justin, everyone hates Kenyon Drake. And honestly, they may get to say, I told you so this week, a fucking toe to so. Uh, he's seeing way more volume post-injury compared to Chase Evans, though, and even the work in the passing game is negligible. The Drake is the running back six overall in PPR since coming back from injury. So is the world ready to admit he's a running back, too? Or is, is the matchup <laughs> this week, like, shutting the party down at nine? I mean, he's still going to get some work. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be whether he finds the end zone or not, which is going to determine that, you know. So, because... Uh, you know, they're, they're going to give him the ball to try and alleviate pressure from Kyler, slow down, you know, and try and slow down the pass rush as well coming to him. So, I mean, he's definitely still going to get tons of work there. Chase Edmonds going to have his role there still as well, though. And without it being a huge point total, I don't think he's going to be, you know, winning anyone their week, but he's, he'll be startable for sure. Yeah, I think that's really well put. Like, it might come down to a touchdown. It's probably not the week to bet on it. Only the Saints have allowed fewer touchdowns to the running back position this year than the Rams. Justin, would you start Drake in this tough matchup, or are you going with, like, a Naheem Hines versus Houston? Um, I, I would start Drake. Yeah, yeah that, I, I, that's I'm, a pretty tough one. I, what, I'm, I'm hoping for that touchdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Hines is a tough bet on that one, too. So what, yeah. what about Wayne Gallman at Seattle? Oh. That's uh that's a little bit harder for me. <laughs> I'm making Seattle's it harder defense. as we go. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh no, the volume I, will be there. Yeah. Uh I oh man, that's yeah, that's tougher. I, I still I'm still gonna go with Drake though. I think that I, I believe he gets the the goal line work. So I think if there is gonna be a touchdown to be had in the running backs or, or rushing game, it's going to him. So uh that's that's the only reason why. And Seattle's defense has looked better the last couple weeks. Still not great, but they they've improved for sure. Well, I do like Seattle as they pay down a defensive player for DFS. Yeah, because yeah. it is going to be Colt McCoy, right? And they might yeah. try and lean yeah. on Wayne Gallman, but obviously the Seahawks know that and can load the box. So what about Zeke Elliott or Kenyon Drake? RB two Zeke at Baltimore. Ooh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I go with Zeke. I got Zeke actually in my rankings, uh, uh, just a couple spots higher. Just like, I think two spots higher than Kenyon Drake. What about uh, Chase Edmonds? Like, I think you're right, D Brown. Like, we're kind of fading Chase Edmonds the rest of the way because yeah. there's no plus matchups for running backs going forward either for the Cardinals. And the Rams aren't giving up tons of production to the running back position in the passing game either. 
Yeah, I know I have Chase Edmonds pretty low down my rankings. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how fast it I just had everyone, to scroll. <laughs> yeah, and everyone wanted him uh, over over Kenyon Drake just a few weeks ago. So yeah. let's finish off the category here with the Cardinals reverse James from Jeopardy style. Let's hit the, hit the pass catcher. This is literally the worst matchup in fantasy football for wide receivers. Like the Rams are giving up the fewest points to the position. Uh, they've allowed the least receiving yards, air yards, wide receivers have scored just six times in 11 games against the Rams tied for the fewest. Um, you're playing nuke, even if he is facing a familiar foe from his AFC South days, Jalen Ramsey, actually Jules is nuke still locked and loaded elite wide receiver for fantasy. Like in this matchup with his recent games. Yeah, man. Like for me, it's, it's, I, can't, I just can't move him out of there. You know, like this guy's too good. He's he's matchup proof in my eyes and I'm not, I'm not considering benching him. I'm not even looking at, at the wide receiver two spot for him. You know, this guy is my wide receiver one locked and loaded. And, you know, with Kyler Murray in this offense, I think he can still get it done. He gets that volume. He's a consistent target in the offense, uh, you know, and he's, he sees a bit of red zone work too, right? Like I, I know you guys are loving Kenyon Drake, but like last week, I watched him get stuffed on the goal line, what, eight times? Like, you know, like if I'm a coach, I'm not going to continue to go back to that time and time again, especially against a Rams offense or defensive line. So to me, I think, I think Nook probably, or Nuke probably gets into the end zone in this game. And he's probably a lock for 15, at least 15 PPR points. Yeah. And seeing Kyler Murray uninvolved with him, you know, no RPOs or anything at the goal line. That was kind of the biggest difference I noticed with the injury last week. Mm -hmm. um, so what about these other guys like Larry Fitzgerald? I'm pretty sure is out again. You know, 2020 is in the upside down when, when Larry is missing time, next thing he'll drop a pass, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it kind of makes us have to talk about Christian Kirk though. Like, can you, what do you think Jules? Can you start him this week or is he just kind of in a void? Yeah, man, I think in, in deeper leagues, I think you can throw him out there. This guy is a wide receiver three for me on the week. Uh, but, you know, in a lot of leagues, that's what you need, right? Even in your flex spot, I do think that there is that upside. Um, I actually think that this game hits the over on 48. That seems pretty low to me. I know this is an elite defense in the Rams. And, you know, the Cardinals have been able to put their put their, themselves together as well. But I think if this team is, is going to win this game, they have to get back to the identity of the Arizona Cardinals and and be a high powered offense and win, you know, force themselves to win games. So, you know, I'm all about the Cardinals pieces, but even though I don't want to admit that I like Kenya Drake. <laughs> well, you're right, man. Like the Rams are a stout defense, but they, you know, the Cardinals are no AFC East team. Let's put it that mm -hmm. way. And, you know, I think it's reflected in expert consensus ranking. Kirk is the wide receiver 34 this week. So he is a back end wide receiver three. Uh, are you starting Kirk or, or like a wide receiver from the Broncos? What do you think? D Brown, any wide receiver from the Broncos or Christian Kirk? Uh, give me Kirk. I, I don't mind Kirk. Once again, if, especially if uh, Fitz is out uh, with Ramsey, potentially trying to lock down Nook, you know, Kirk, the volume should be there. They don't really have any other options. Uh, you know, Andy Isabella, maybe I do kind of like him as another punt play at the wide receiver position for DFL with Fitzgerald <laughs> out. But, uh, you know, I don't mind Kirk. He, Like I said, the volume should be there regardless, especially if Kenyon Drake can't get anything going on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. This sounds crazy, but they are basically playing the same roles in their offense. So would you play Christian Kirk in this matchup against the Rams or Nelson Aguilar against the Jets? <laughs> What a world. Mm -hmm. What a world. I'm, I'll, I'll stick with Kirk over Aguilar. 
What about what about Sterling Shepard? Like, are you going after that floor for Shepard, or is it like a is the risk worth the reward for starting Christian Kirk over him? Um, I'm once again give me Kyler Murray over Colt McCoy. Yeah, that's a good point. That might have been too easy. Yeah, I just it's more like do you make those lineup decisions? You know, because if you're in a must win, maybe you, you do start a Sterling Shepard if it's like a safer option. Um, maybe you play the first place team who's like projected to win by 20 points. So. Those are kind of scenarios where I might pivot to one or the other when uh, when I do those. But yeah, I think that's uh, those are always interesting ones. And I love that you guys brought up Andy Isabella because, you know, with Fitz out last week against the Patriots, Isabella sure played more. He played in the slot, too. And his six targets were not only a career high for Andy. I, it was one shy of the team lead by Nuke, who had Stefan Gilmer draped all over him. And now it's the Nuke Ramsey fight to the death and Andy Isabella has the easiest matchup and the Rams just let Debo Samuel eat out of the slot last week. So, you know, I, I kind of don't hate the Andy Isabella deep, you know, GPP play or whatever. Uh, looking to the other side, I'd rather zoom through the Rams kind of, cause we spent a lot of time on Cooper cup and Robert Woods this week. They are both top 20 wide receivers in ECR, neither are top 10 kind of the point we've made over these past few weeks. And another game that I will be a Cooper Cup proponent, and I won't be surprised if he outscores Woods. Patrick Peterson is covering Robert Woods in this game. Uh, Justin, we haven't had the pleasure of you you being on. Uh, are you a firm Robert Woods over Cooper Cup guy, and are you kind of in the mindset that both are just wide receiver twos? Yeah. So I yeah I've I've been a I've been a Woods guy since like since the off season. So. Uh, last year I was a Cooper cup guy, so I, I pivoted this year. <laughs> um, and it's been working out though. Robert Woods. I, I, I think that he still eats. Cause I mean, I don't think Pat, like Patrick Peterson is not the Patrick Peterson of years past. Like he is definitely aging and he's lost a step or two. So I, I think that Woods will still be able to, to get open, uh, despite Patrick Peterson being there, uh, Cooper cup, I think will probably get more more passes like more targets but i i think that uh, i'm i'm gonna go with uh leaning on uh woods to break one off yeah and just a reminder that duo does get the jets and the seahawks in fantasy football championship weeks that is a a pot of gold at the end of the fantasy football season if you ask me uh i also think you know we have to ask, like, I don't know if these guys are going to be able to have blow up seasons at the same time or, you know, if they're going to because they've had a hard time producing in the same weeks. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's the offense, though. A lot of people blame the offense. I think it's kind of just Josh Reynolds. Like this guy is commanding tons of air yards, tons of end zone targets, driving me nuts. And if bye weeks were an ending here next week, he probably would be fantasy viable, at least in deep leagues. And then you also have Van Jefferson. You have the tight end by committee in L.A. Guys, actually, that's a lot of weapons, and I'm talking about this juicy strength of schedule, so I, I'm going to bring him up. Jared Goff. Um, the poor guy is really having a tough go of it. Scored like three fantasy points last week, couple picks, no touchdowns, and it was his fifth game this season, under 12 fantasy points. But three of the next four games are against top 10 fantasy defenses for the quarterback. So, you know, what do you think, Jules? Do you think he's good enough to start this week, or, you know, wh where you sit with Jared Goff? Yeah, man. In two QB leagues, I'll roll them out there for sure. But I think in, in single QBs, unless you're in a deep dynasty and all these guys are already on rosters, I don't feel great about them. You know, uh, there's only two buys this week. So you likely have a better option than Jared Goff on your bench in a dynasty. And if you're in, in a, a redraft league, I think you can probably go and scoop a guy off waivers. Uh, you see, Jules, I thought that was true as well. And I'm just looking at it here. So <laughs> would you start Philip Rivers or are you starting uh, – 
the bum we're talking about, Jared Goff. Oh man, so <laughs> this feels ugly. But you know, I, I I looked into this for my show last night, and like the Colts are actually a top five team in air yards and in in um, in yards on the season uh, for fantasy. So as ugly as it is, you know, the emergence of Michael Pittman, I think that I could roll out Phillip Rivers in this one and feel pretty confident. And they're playing Houston too, who exactly. they, they love to give up yards to a quarterback. So just yards in general. Just yeah. Take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're pretty low on golf. Like I think uh, I won't even ask about Matt Ryan against the saints. I think we're playing him over him. And I think what I want to mention is that it is a good test for those weeks in weeks 15 and 16. Like, Last season, for the record, Jared Goff did have 25 fantasy points in both games against the Cardinals. So if he comes out and has a good one against the Cardinals, maybe I can build on that momentum going towards those really juicy matchups. So do you, nobody thinks they're going to be trying to target him in those Week 15 and 16 matchups, or he's just not that quarterback we're going to chase for, for spiked weeks? I just don't think he's worth holding on to for yeah. those weeks. You know, I, I think there's other guys you can go and get that are going to be equally as valuable. In, in week 15, 16. So I could be asking the same questions, guys, when approaching this backfield for Fantasy A. Like, really, it's been a headache for the Rams running backs here, especially when the Rams just go past heavy once in a while, which they do. But keeping that strength of schedule in mind, what are we doing with this backfield? Like, what are you doing, D. Brown? Is Akers taking the reins, or is it just a three-man shit show here? Uh, I mean, I lean more towards the latter. Um, you know, as much as I want to see Akers take the reins or what have you, uh, it's just kind of been the hot hand approach there. And I think any given week, it could flip to another one. It could be Malcolm Brown. It could be Henderson. You know, it's really just kind of a backfield that I don't like. I don't want to plug any of those guys and feel confident, uh, you know, that I've picked the right one that week. Uh, I feel like more often than not, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be cha- uh, chasing the results from last week's game. Yeah, that is so perfectly put. And that's why I think that's exactly what people are kind of doing. Like I, I respect that Akers might be the guy. He might be the guy to emerge from this backfield. I just don't want to, like, he's getting zero pass catching work. And I just don't want to gift him the goal line roll by any means either. Like, his goal line plunge last week was almost a gift in itself for his long run earlier in that drive, right? So Mm -hmm. um, he could be the guy here, the running back who has, like, the upper hand to be the upside play who could have a big game or two down the stretch. But Daryl Henderson's going to cut in. I mean, he has six straight games under 11 fantasy points in PPR, though. Uh, Where do you stand, Justin? Are any of these guys top 30 running backs in your mind? Like, even if they separate from the pack, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, are any, like, do you see the upside here, or is it too late in the season to be chasing that upside? No, yeah, it's, I I don't see it, because, like, uh, they're kind of taking the approach now that Gurley left from there, from what they saw from the 49ers being successful, where you can just plug and play any running back, whoever's successful, they just continue to get the work. Uh, and so, the, I mean, they, they've said that themselves. So I, I don't think that, you know, trying to predict which running back is nece- or is going to be the one that's successful is a successful strategy for fantasy football. So yeah. I would rather just avoid their backfield. Totally. And I'm just looking at it like none of them. Akers is the running back 37 in expert consensus ranking currently. I was just trying to find them in mine. (laughs) So they are right beside each other and you are scrolling down past those wide receiver three or running back threes. Malcolm Brown, obviously still there too, who can certainly come in and operate at the goal line running back 47 in PPR and ECR. Um, The frustration is like, this just isn't 2017, 2018. We're not getting those, those super advantageous schemes. The, the, offensive line has just deteriorated 
you know, significantly. And I just think this offense is going to support Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, not, you know, multiple running backs. So anybody have any parting thoughts on that game or should I should I roll along here? No, there's no tight end worthy to speak of. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. I don't, sorry, I don't want to talk sorry. about it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that The flow. Dan Arnold, top five tight end in flow. There you go. <laughs> All right, so I do have to do a quick ad read here for Monkey Knife Fight. We are proudly sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Jump on, sorry, jump on to them for the best DFS player prop games in the industry. MKF is sweeping the nation right now, and we're proud to be doing it along with them. They have got games for all sports and skill levels that are sure to keep you on the edge of your seat with endless opportunities to watch your winnings pile up. I love to do the player props. We usually have a Monkey Knife Fight challenge. I totally blew it. That is on me this week. My apologies. But go there, sign up with the code TNF, uh, TNFF, that's the promo code. Uh, they will match your first deposit up to $50. So sign up now with our promo code. You can get up to $50 free money to start making some bank. And it's monkeyknifefight.com. Promo code again is TNFF at your first deposit. Start playing today. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, I appreciate that. Let's go to the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs, a game with quarterbacks, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And, like, what can you say about that debacle at quarterback last week for Denver other than, sorry, Linda, number one, because yeah. they had more interceptions so than they had completed passes. Uh, if you, like, look at it, so the Broncos game, Taysom Hill and, and what's his name? Who was the quarterback? Kendall Holton. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. Yeah, Kendall Hinton. They combined to go 10 for 25 for 91 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. On the other side, the Chiefs, their opponent, played in a game with Mahomes and Brady, who went 64 for 90, 807 yards, six touchdowns. So that's just too funny. Thank God they weren't playing in Arrowhead last week. Um, but the Chiefs, guys, have beat the Broncos 10 straight games, and Denver hasn't beat Kansas City since 2015. In the three games under head coach Nick Fangio, who's supposed to be a defensive genius, which he is, frankly, uh, Denver has lost all three games by 20 points to Kansas City. And these squads played back in Week 7. Like, it was a weirdo game that Kansas City won 43-16. It was all defense. Uh, Byron Pringle had a return touchdown. Chad Henney had as many touchdowns as, uh, as uh, Pat Mahomes in that one, by the way. And nobody had 60 yards receiving for the Chiefs in that game. Tyreek scored. Mikkel Hardman actually led the team in receiving that game. But nobody blew up for fantasy. Nobody killed you either. But except Travis Kelsey, by his standards, I would say. Denver is a tough matchup for tight ends. But he actually had a pretty rough day. Some of the weirdness was on the Broncos' end, though. Denver actually ran a lot in that game. It was feed fill, uh, free fill kind of week. That's when that all started with Philip Lindsay. He had some big runs in that game. Drew Locke had a rushing touchdown, no passing touchdowns. Melvin Gordon scored, lost two fumbles in that game. In the passing game, only one Bronco had 50 yards receiving against the Chiefs earlier in the season. That was Albert O, who was no longer there. So I'm looking at this total, guys. It's 51, pretty high, and the Broncos are almost 14-point underdogs. So do we think Kansas City is going to flex their muscles in this game on offense? Like, is there any chance that Denver can put up the points that are needed to, to hit this total? Like, I'm asking if we should target this game, or is the point total a bit of a, a fantasy mirage? Uh, you know, I think there is going to be points in this game, whether they're garbage time or, or I don't I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to stay competitive with the Kansas City Chiefs, even with Drew Locke back. But I do think there's going to be fantasy points in this game with with a, with a quarterback. Uh, it's just it, it makes a lot more sense. Like last week, it was just a honest. That was a shit show, man. Like it was tough to watch. I felt terrible for that entire organization. And, you know, they kind of brought it on themselves. So 
you can only you can only feel so bad. But yeah, you know, it, there's going to be points in this game. There really is. Yeah, like Kansas City's going to score. They're scoring over 30 points per game on offense in the season, but Denver's scoring under 20 points per game, and it's just they're a bad offense versus Kansas City's very strong defense. So I think it's interesting. And a turnover margin higher than I think I've ever seen in my life for the Broncos right now. So I'm not sure. <laughs> could, could we see two defensive touchdowns in this one? Oh, man, I think the Chiefs are a strong play in seasonal like yeah. Yahoo leagues and shit for, yeah, for if you DST. factor, Yeah, if you factor in the defensive touchdowns, Along with those offensive touchdowns, Kansas yeah. City, then they should make that point spread on their own. Right. <laughs> Honestly, like it wouldn't surprise me if Kansas City put up 45, 50 points in this game and Denver puts up 14, but still that hits that over. No. So, you know, I, I think that there's fantasy points, man. They're coming. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that makes a lot of these Broncos for, for one of these like, teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that team, like Drew Locke, he's probably a hard sit under 20 points per game in every game, but against Atlanta in week nine, he's thrown over 40 times in four games this year too. And speaking of 40 passes last season, Drew Locke's only game with 40 attempts came against the Chiefs. So he's been forced to throw the ball against Kansas City in his career 40 times in both games, actually. But he has 20 fantasy points in those two games against Kansas City combined. So even though he will be in catch-up mode quickly, just don't for Drew Locke. But actually, I'm thinking strictly one quarterback here, like, does anybody have any faith for super flex? Because Denver actually gets the bills and chargers in weeks 15 and 16. Those are both top 10 matchups in fantasy for quarterbacks. I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm staying away from lock. So speaking of sketchy, there are some injuries for Denver, like notably Jerry Judy's dealing with that ankle injury. Still, he is listed as questionable. And Philip Len, uh, Philip Lindsay, he's trending in the right direction with his knee injury. I'm just looking. I didn't see that. He actually did get a full practice in yesterday. Mm. So let's hit this backfield under the assumption that Phil free, free Phil. Let's assume he plays. Kansas City is a plus matchup for running backs in fantasy. They're a run funnel defense. Denver. Also gets the Carolina Panthers next week, a cake running back matchup. They also get the Chargers in week 16, like I mentioned. So where where does all that leave us with Melvin Gordon? Like he's under five fantasy points in three of the past four games in PPR, but with the upcoming strength of schedule, with the volume they continue to heap on him. Like, what do you think, Jules? Do you think Melvin Gordon could be a running back too this week going forward? You know, I, I think both these guys are kind of tough plays, right? We talked about the uh LA backfield. And I look at kind of like this as a similar situation. I'm not sure who it's going to be on any given week. And I think that it's, it's tough. There's not really any volume. There's not a whole lot of passing work to go to either guy. And when it, there is, it's going to Melvin Gordon, but even then like you know, less than five PPR points in three of the last five games, it's, it's really tough to, th to roll that guy out there and feel confident. So I'm staying away if I can, if I have to put one of these guys in my lineup, probably philip Lindsay, just because i believe in the talent more but i'm not happy about either of them so would you start jk dobbins over these guys easily oh yeah yeah, yeah. what what about latavius murray against uh d brown's falcons man i think i'm still starting latavius yeah. too you know yeah, like yeah. increased yeah. volume in in that offense starting latavius murray in the run game is gonna kind of keep that volume flowing 100 yeah. percent Okay, so I think the other concern in this Broncos offense is that they use the wide receivers. Like, I think I have, I don't have a lot of expectations for either running back in this offense. I think that's where I've gone from where I was team Phil over Melvin Gordon kind of all season long. But now I'm just kind of like both these guys are running back threes to me because 
they even use these wide receivers as like an extension of the run game, even Noah fan, but sticking to the wide receivers in Denver really quick, like starting this week, it's four straight games to finish the fantasy season of bottom 10 matchups for wide receivers in fantasy. You got the chiefs this week, Panthers next week, Buffalo chargers. So we have Tim Patrick leading them in scoring for fantasy, Jerry Judy, who we love the talent, but has been pretty banged up. You also have KJ Hamler. So D Brown, where do you stand? Like, do we want any of them on our rosters heading into fantasy football playoffs or any top 36 options? And um, maybe just rank them. You know, if, if if we can see Judy come out and be be healthy once again and maybe in a plus matchup, I don't mind having him as a flex flex option down the line. Uh, but for the most part, running backs, wide receivers, you know, I do I, I do kind of like Fant this week as a, at the tight end position, uh, you know, probably playing catch up. He seems to be, uh, you know, I think the volume will be there for him this week. But all in all, you know, Denver's offense has to look pretty, pretty uh, putrid. You know, all season long, you know, unfortunately, pretty much giving all these guys a low floor combined with a low ceiling. And that just doesn't that's not a recipe for fantasy football success. Totally. I think that's it. Right? Like the ceiling, like Judy has failed to hit 75 yards in every single game this season, besides that dream matchup against Atlanta that coincided with Drew Locke. And so I, I totally agree. Like, it's hard to even express what kind of ceiling these guys have because it's almost non-existent. Um, and Tim Patrick, like he might be the wide receiver to own Endeavor anyways. Like he's the highest scoring guy in points per game. And he's been over hundred yards receiving in three games, including a couple of weeks ago against a tough uh, Miami secondary. And I think you're right. Like this is just, I don't like the argument, but because of the offense, there is just too many mouths to feed in this offense. Like I love KJ Hamler and he's factoring in too. Like before last week, he had 26 targets over the last three weeks. So, you know, I almost, I, I bring him up because these guys cut into each other, right? Like he is playing out of the slot. He is a speed demon. And so that means even he and Noah fan kind of cut into each other's production. And man, I just, I really don't know what to do because it's not that it's a terrible matchup for fantasy. It's that Noah fans kind of been a pretty terrible option for fantasy this season, like eight straight games under 55 yards receiving or less hasn't scored since week two. I think what you said, D Brown makes me really want to fire him up in a GPP in almost every GPP lineup that I set. Uh, what, what do you, what do you think Jules or, or Justin, are you guys kind of fallen out of love with Noah fans or do you think it's coming? Uh, man, like, you know, statistics tells us it's coming. He hasn't scored since week two. He's got to score eventually. Right. But <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure when it's going to happen. We talked, we, we just talked about how this offense is just such a low volume scoring offense. Anyway, the ceiling is just not there. And, hey, you know, I have to start Noah Fant in a league that I lost George Kittle at dynasty. Like you know, I'm considering starting first girl from this week. So for me, I, like, I'm, I'm not happy about, about playing Noah Fant. I don't feel great about it, but I love the talent. I just don't think it's this year, this week, or this year. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. He's talented. I, I don't think there's an issue with Noah Fant here. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. everyone loves Noah Fant. It's the offense that we're afraid of. Um, so, I mean, I, I like him. I just don't like having him in my lineup. Like Dynasty, I love owning him, though he's not doing much for me right now. Um, and then I, I, I don't want to start him. I don't have him inside, or I think. I have him just outside my top 12 for my tight ends for this week. So I don't want to start him if I can avoid it. I'd rather start, you know, Eric Ebron for sure. Austin Hooper, even I have one spot above him. So me too. I have both those guys ahead of him as well. I just think it, I'll, I'll put it this way. This isn't the week, but I think, you know, 
Noah Ark truthers could get their flood eventually. They get the Bills and the Chargers in Fantasy Championship Weeks. Those are both elite matchups for tight ends teams we've exploited all year in fantasy for the tight end position. Um, going to the other side, Travis Kelsey is king half a decade in his reign of terror against opposing fantasy owners who were playing him. But his worst game by far, guys, came you know, against Denver in week seven, they allow under 50 yards receiving per game to the tight end position. Tight ends have scored just two times against the Broncos in 2020. Alexander Johnson, Justin Simmons to thank for that. So I think we should avoid Travis Kelsey and DFS this week. Uh, I also just, I'm going to blow right past Pat Mahomes. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, <laughs> he was downgraded midweek with an illness. Andy Reid said he expects Clyde Edwards Hilaire to play, but this is a Sunday night football game that Kansas City should cruise in, you know, cruise to a win in. Uh, is there any chance you're playing at safety, Brown, you know, benching Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or is he a top 15 running back regardless of his health percentage because of the matchup? Uh, no, unless I have, you know, uh, better options, which is probably not the case with the running back position. Uh, judging on the capital that you spent on him, there's a good chance that you need to play him, and I don't, I'm not shying away from him in this matchup in the in the least. The the running game volume should be there uh, all, all game long. And uh, it's been been his backfield for the most part, even though the receptions haven't been there. Um, Bell, Bell's not even on my radar as far as being startable right now. No, I agree with that. But I still would say that Clyde Edwards-Lair kind of, at least underperformed my expectations. I definitely set some high ones. But uh, he's under 10 PPR points in 60% of his games this year. He's a top 12 running back just four times. But he's also finished outside the top 24 running backs four times this year. So pretty boomer bust when you take a step back. And so so what do you think, D. Brown, rest of the season? Is he just a running back two, like a hard running back two? Yeah, no, I feel confident in him being an RB2 most weeks. Uh, you know, just being on, you know, one of the probably the best offense in the NFL, you know, it's going to be giving him key key looks constantly week in and week out. Uh, High-octane offense is going to put him in position to succeed, even if the passing volume's not there. But he's a game-changer, and, I, you know, we've all seen it in the spotlight at this point. Him uh, being tied to Mahomes is just going to, keep him in, in the RB2 plus more often than not. I just wanted to bring up guys, like, is this, is, is the way that this offense scores a concern for you guys with Clyde at all? Right? The gadget offense, plays? Not even, well, the gadget plays, but also they're scoring from like 50, 60 yards out half the time. So, you but know, like, always it, will. It, exactly. Right. Like, like is, I think is that a concern for Clyde or. Well, I think the Chiefs will always be a team who are leading the league in touchdowns from outside the red zone, but I don't think they're going to be far off the top five when it comes to touchdowns inside the red zone either. I just think it's all these gadget plays. I really think and, that. Yeah, with those deep balls comes P.I.s that get the ball at the one-yard line, and he's going to reap the benefits of that just as much. True. So Tyreek Hill's another guy that we don't really have to spend too much time on. I just kind of want to give a quick ups because, you know, one of the best fantasy performances ever last week and, you know, over 200 yards in the, in the first quarter, Patrick in the touchdown department. I don't think I've ever, you know, seen a player be a better touch, like a better bet to score on a long touchdown in a game. It's just, I don't think we've ever seen a player like him. He came into the league since he's coming to the league. He has twice as many 40 yard touchdowns than any other player. He has 20 of them. Uh, but behind him, I've had a hard time getting a grip on this wide receiver room all season or how valuable a guy would or should be even if they do emerge in Kansas City because Tyreek and Kelsey have just been king. So what are your thoughts, Justin, on these wide receivers? Can we look to Sammy as a wide receiver three flex throwdown on Tyreek if you want? Talk Miko, Demarcus, anybody. Yeah, I mean, and 
also on on top of that too, Tyreek didn't even play all of his first season. He he missed the majority of it. So that's right. <laughs> and he still managed to do that. Um, amazing. I I, I love Tyreek, uh, but. Uh, the the other wide receivers there are just they're too inconsistent for me to to bank on any week. Like one of them, it you know will probably be fantasy viable this week especially. But I don't know which one, and I'm not going to try and guess whether it's you know Pringle or Hardman or Sammy Watkins, whichever one of them wants to show up. Uh, but I, I'm just I'll, I'll stick with Tyreek, uh, and that's it for their wide receivers. I mean, at least their offense is pretty easy to figure out who you want to start. They got you know, one of the best wide receivers, one of the best tight ends, they the, probably the best quarterback. So it, it makes it easy. Yeah, auction drafts, studs and duds, way to go. So. Sammy Watkins, I think, is probably the guy if you had to pick. Like, he was second among wide yeah. receivers and targets and receiving yards last week. He played 57 to 79 snaps. Poor Jay Rich, man. We had Jay Rich on last week. He's just such a great guest. Check out his new podcast, too. I really I listened to it today. It was awesome. Uh, Miko Hardman was wide open for a 90-yard touchdown. He just fucking dropped it. It was brutal. He also played just 24 of 79 snaps last week. He's the wide receiver 71 in expert consensus ranking. Anybody have any parting thoughts on the Broncos or Chiefs before I mosey on here? No. So I'm going to go to the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. So the Colts were not good last week, losing a huge game to the Titans, relinquishing first place in the division. Now they go on the road with a couple injuries to Houston. The Texans, by the way, just three-point underdogs. And I'll ask about Will Fuller and stuff here, guys, but... This game has a very attractive 51-point total. Kind of surprising, just like the last one. The most notable injury for Indianapolis is Anthony Costanzo, their left tackle. And Old Man Rivers is dealing with a toe injury as well. So it feels weird asking, but can Indianapolis hold up their end of the bargain this week? Like, will they be able to put some points on the board, D-Brown? Yeah, no, I think I don't think the Colts are going to have any problem putting points on the board against Houston's defense. They've been pretty terrible. Um, you know, and as far as the Texans go, losing Fuller, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how those targets get distributed uh, moving forward with him not in the picture. You know, Randall Cobb still on IR, I believe. Um, yep. You know, yep. but it, uh, what's the final on David Johnson? Are they getting him back for sure this week? They did activate him today. Um, do you think he returns to like boring running back two status or do you think he can get more involved in the passing game? Well, I mean, the hit with Will Fuller out of the picture, uh, you know, you could see an uptick in volume for, uh, David Johnson, you know, it, it can only benefit as far as, uh, the two interchanging, you know, it's kind of good timing to get, uh, Johnson back with Fuller getting out. They can kind of get back to that run game uh, a little bit more that we saw early in the year. Yeah, so where does that leave Brandon Cooks then? Like, how high should he be ranked? Because it is a fairly tough matchup. Uh, you know, I, I kind of have him as, a, a, I think, a back-end wide receiver too yeah. uh, this week. You know, a tough matchup. But, you know, Des Deshaun Watson, you know, can make a tough matchup not look not so tough. Uh, <laughs> and once again, with Fuller out of the way, you know, I, I, I do think that Cooks should be the main beneficiary of that. So there's been lots of talk about Kiki Cootie. Like, I think he's going to play 60 to 70% of the snaps. Like, 
he's going to play in the slot. He's a slot wide receiver. But the funny thing is he's super fragile himself. I think that's something that nobody's mentioning, even though he's incredibly fragile himself. Uh, he had some buzz during his rookie year in 2018 after he kind of burst onto the scene. His first action in that season was week four. He had 15 targets, 11 catches, 100 yards receiving. Best fantasy game, still his career high across the board. That game, guys, came against the Colts, Kiki Cootie's Week 13 opponent. Uh, he actually followed that game up, by the way, with his second best fantasy game of his career. He's never reached those totals since. So Kiki Cootie's two best games ever came in his first and second game in the league. And I'm kind of just having fun here because it's all just more Kevin Bacon degrees of separation. I don't think folks are rolling out Kiki Cootie this week with seasonal league playoffs on the line. Um, but will he see some targets? Like, is he a top 48 wide receiver, like a wide receiver four? Or are you reluctant to even call him like a like a fantasy relevant guy? You know, I, I think he probably is a wide receiver four, but like you said, I'm definitely not rolling him out there. Like, I think it's probable he hits that, but he, he this guy's too injury prone, man. I can't put him out there any given week. Like, I, I honestly don't know if he's going to make it through that game tomorrow. Yeah, and his his yards per target, all that stuff is is pretty hideous. Like he doesn't scream mm-hmm. ceiling, that's for sure. Even though Deshaun Watson can can definitely offer somebody a ceiling. So we kind of talked a little bit about Philip Rivers, how he's pretty much justified as a mid quarterback too. Even though it, uh, I didn't think he'd be ranked that high very much this season. But I, I wanted to talk about the Colts' run game because I think that's what they're going to try and do. Houston is the worst run defense in football. Jonathan Taylor is back. He's the running back 20 right now overall, just 12 points per game in PPR. Missed the last game. We saw Jabroni Brissett score a touchdown at the goal line two times, twice, two times. And, you know, that probably would have gone to JT had he played. So that sucks. And it sucks he's been a top 12 running back just twice this year. Sucks that he's not getting used much in the passing game. But Houston allows the most rushing yards to running backs. They allow the most yards from scrimmage. Nobody has allowed more rushing touchdowns to running backs this year. So, you know, what stands out to me when I was looking at this matchup is that Naheem Hines is ranked ahead of Jonathan Taylor for this week. In ECR, they're both lower-end running back twos. But is that the way you have it ranked, Justin? And, yeah, just what is your general field uh, feel on how this backfield plays out the rest of the season? Yeah, yeah, I actually do. I have him uh, a little bit ahead of him, uh, a little bit more than the expert rankings even, because just because I, I, I think that he has the – the more explosive games in him. You know what I mean? Like he, there are times where uh, he really shows out and like perf- overperforms his value and going against a horrible run defense. This could be that week, you know, this could be a great week for him to perform. I mean, everyone, you know, Jonathan Taylor, the matchup is great, but we just haven't gotten that from him yet. So I, I'm, I have a hard time saying that, yeah, he's going to kill it this week. Uh, I, I got to see him do it first. No, it's a, it's a good take, man. Like, Naeem Hines could start hot, stay hot, be hot in Week 13. I totally agree. He wasn't super impressive without Jonathan Taylor last week, but in PPR, he was great. Like, the guy leads the team in targets and catches last week, and he, he leads the team in catches all season long. So, uh, what about these wide receivers, though? Like, like, in Indy, are they relevant? There's three of them. It's just such a run-first team. I have a really hard time with this wide receiver group, too. So, we got the Motley crew of T.Y. Hilton, who miraculously scored this past week. Zach Pascal was productive early in the season. He was leading the team in receiving before last week. And Mr. Pittman is supposed to be breaking out here late season. So, D. Brown, how do you want anybody in this wide receiver room for fantasy? Can we start any of them this week in fantasy? Yeah, I, I mean, I like Pittman this week. Um, you know, he's pretty much the only wide receiver 
that I want. T.Y. is done as far as I'm concerned. You know, we got some good games out of Pascal, and he's got potential, but I think Pittman's the one that really offers the true upside as far as anybody on that wide receiver room. What we've seen out of him the last few weeks, you know, he's 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 a, a good good player, and um, he's pretty much the only one that I feel have any confidence in as far as the wide receivers go. So in expert consensus ranking, he's ranked as a high-end wide receiver three, and it's just occurring to me that's because they also lost Bradley Roby, who, uh, like, they lost Will Fuller. They also lost Bradley Roby. That means that uh, Vernon Hargraves is now the Texans' number one tight end. Last season, no cornerback allowed more fantasy points in their coverage to the wide receiver position than Vernon Hargraves. This season, only three cornerbacks have allowed more fantasy points in his coverage, so fire up Pittman and the other guy was Will Fuller. So that's just, it's too bad. Is anybody worried about Deshaun Watson with, uh, with such a, a thin set of weapons now? I do have some concerns. So well. Yeah. I, that's the tough part is he's, he's been on a tear and he's been an elite player. He's basically been matchup proof, but you know, Will Fuller, like that guy's a playmaker for, for Deshaun Watson. He makes plays down the field. I do have some concerns, but I do think that Watson is still going to be able to, uh, you know, use his, use his legs and make some magic happen because we see it every time that this team starts to slip, this guy puts the team on his back and says, we're not losing this game without a fight. So, you know, I, I think we do get a good fantasy game out of him. And one guy I wanted to bring up too is Jordan Akins, I think actually gets a huge bump with Will Fuller being out. I just mm-hmm. like, he's going to be that reliable 10 yard target guy, especially in PPR leagues. Like I think this guy's an easy uh, tight end one this week. Yeah, he's he's my tight end too for DFS punt plays at twenty nine hundred on DraftKings. Mm. So mm. between between him and Ferksers, those you know, paying up for tight end is dumb. Yeah, it's a really tough matchup, but he has like such that explosive uh explosive profile for sure. Uh, I just want to lay out the nitty gritty with Deshaun Watson, the splits. He averages four fewer points per game without Will Fuller, over 50 fewer passing yards, almost a full touchdown less per game. He also had Nuke at his disposal for all those splits as well in those 16 games that he's gone without Will Fuller. Uh, But the rushing production does go up and 2017 really drives those splits with Will Fuller. So I don't want people to get too scared off of Deshaun Watson. I think the scarier part is kind of that strength of schedule, like getting the Colts this week the bears next week the colts again the week after that that's pretty scary but this guy might win people fantasy leagues because they get the Bengals and titans in week uh 15 and 16 so i think uh we covered these guys right like david johnson is back to boring old running back two status might get more involved in the passing game uh anybody have any parting thoughts anybody want to mention another tight end on the other end of the ball no no, I don't so really feel all- good about any of those guys <laughs> Not right this now. Game. You guys are starting Aikens over any tight end for the uh, for the Colts over Trey Burton over Mo Alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Minnesota Vikings because this game actually has a pretty high uh, total in itself. Do you guys do you guys think that we're seeing a little bit different team from Minnesota? Like Jules, what do you think? We saw in the last two games they've been throwing the ball a little bit more. These haven't been the greatest opponents. One of those was the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to what teams are doing with Dalvin Cook and really selling out to to stop Dalvin and it's opening up the the passing game. So, you know, fire up Justin Jefferson. He's able to get it be a, a very impactful player last week, uh, even uh, you know without feeling in the lineup. But you add two elite pass catchers like this offense is 
it's an elite offense, man. We got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. You know, then you get an athletic tight end like Irv Smith and even Kyle Rudolph, and they're like, you know, this offense is going to continue to produce fantasy points. I think you can fire up both those guys, and I feel confident about Kirk this week as well. So do you think the Vikings are going to, like, blow out the Jags or given how bad their defense is for, uh, for Minnesota? Can we hope for some points to get scored by the Jags, who have Mike Glennon as their quarterback? <laughs> Honestly, I think you can, man. I think this is a high-scoring game on both sides of the ball. Uh, one of the few on this slate that I think just kind of, you know, we could see, you know, 70, 80, 70, 80 points in this game. I think that's, you know, I think that's possible. So – Every game in Minnesota this year has gone over the game total. The average score is almost 62 points in games in Minnesota. <laughs> see, there we go. That is crazy. <laughs> I, I, I was shocked to see the Vikings were 10-point favorites. Like, in this economy with this yeah. defense? Like, give me a <laughs> They shouldn't be 10-point yeah. favorites over anybody no. ever in the history of the planet. Yeah. But Give me the, the guy Jags. Who, yeah. But I think, like, the reason the skepticism is because of Mike Glennon, like, not Gardner Minshew playing. And I, I think it's interesting because he looked fine last league. I don't think we're, like, starting mm-hmm. him in fantasy regardless of his excellent matchup here. But the other news I think I wanted to bring up was DJ Chark, right? He should be back in action. So Mike Glennon is responsible of getting him the ball. What does, what does the quarterback play kind of mean for him, D. Brown? Like, can he take advantage of this matchup with Mike Glennon in their first game together? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. Glennon proved to be serviceable enough. Uh, you know, getting Chark back should open up this offense a little bit more. You know, nobody I feel better about than James Robinson on Jacksonville side of the ball. But, you know, if I'm trying to uh, get a little uh, different, I, I don't mind plugging some of these Jacksonville wide receivers into a couple of lineups and seeing what sticks. So what do you think about some of these ancillary guys? Like the Vikings are such a good matchup for fantasy wide receivers. They average the eighth most receiving yards per game against Minnesota wide receivers. Wide receivers have scored 18 times in 11 games this year. So do you have interest in LaVisca Chenault, Keelan Cole? Who, who are you targeting in like DFS uh, settings? Uh, you know, I, I'm a big LaVisca fan. Uh, you know, I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more out of him last week with the opportunity opening up. Uh, I believe it was Colin Johnson that really kind of stepped up and uh, kind of answered the call there. But, um, you know, like I said, it's kind of going to be hard to pick and poke one in particular. Um, all in all, I don't feel great about any of them, but I do think that points will be scored, um, like Jules said. So, uh you know, it, sh- it should be interesting. Yeah, I was I was shocked. Like, LaVisca played 59 of 65 snaps on offense last week, but just wasn't targeted very much by Mike Glennon, who is – my problem is he's being used too much at outside wide receiver. We need Chanel just in the slot all times yeah. or in the backfield. Yeah, it's really the frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, Colin Johnson – it was an amazing touchdown, but I would mention that he didn't even get on the field until Trey Quinn left that game, really. Uh, he ended up leading the team in, like, targets, receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, whatever. That touchdown was sensational, too. And talking about sensational, like, we, you're right, D. Brown, we don't even have to mention James Robinson. There's only, like, a few players. You can't count on one hand uh, how many players you would want over James Robinson in fantasy football right now. So, locked in, running back one every week. Same with Dalvin Cook on the other side, even if he is becoming kind of like the Ben Roethlisberger of running backs. Um, what about Kirk Cousins though? He's in a nice spot this week. He's been dominant on play action, unmatched inside the red zone. His A dot is off the charts. Uh, Jules, yeah. Or do you guys think he is he a top twelve quarterback in this matchup? Tell me, he's yeah. not. Yeah, I, I think, think he is. is man. He, yeah. he has to be. Yeah. So, so are we starting him over Derek Carr against the Jets? Yes. After what I saw out of Carr last week, absolutely. Yeah. 
and, and I saw Ian Harditz tweeted out everything I ever said nice about Derek Carr, I take back. And that's like everything I said nice about him this year, I take it back. Um, Mariota time or what? Oh, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't I'm know just about that. Yeah. yeah. Just give it a plug in to Jimbo over there. Yeah, I kind of. I just can't. Say, I. I was never a, a huge Mariota proponent. No. Um, and he doesn't work in that offense either. Anyways, go yeah, on. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, we won't go down the the Mariota rabbit hole. Um, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, these wide receivers are both not top twelve in this matchup, right? They are both ranked inside the top ten at the wide receiver position in expert consensus rankings. Are you there, Jules? Like, are can both? both be top 12 at the same time in this offense or do you prefer one or the other in a dfs setting like in a no i i think i think they both can and i think they probably both will right this team is bleeding points to the running or to the wide receiver position both these guys are elite talents and kirk has been able to get them the ball so if i have either adam thielen or justin jefferson there's no way i'm benching them in this line in this matchup yeah and i think because of the lack of coverage the secondary we don't even have to worry about who the defense prioritizes mm-hmm. between Thielen or Jefferson, which has been kind of a battle. Um, so yeah, Adam Thielen, money, Justin Jefferson, just what a great performance. It was cool to see him get some end zone targets, maybe because that's yeah. really been the only missing part to his game this season. So hopefully he gets that. The guy just is crushing the rookie wide receiver class that we are all in love with as it is. He is just dominating that. Um, so Irv Smith is out again, guys. Any interest in Kyle the Red Nose uh, Red Zone Rudolph <laughs> Reindeer here this week? Lots of teams are hurting at tight end. Lots of fantasy teams. Yeah, and Jack- Jacksonville struggles at uh, covering the tight end position. So you know, if uh, if I'm needing a plug and play at the tight end position, you know he's got all the upside in uh, in this week's matchup. As far as I'm concerned, especially with Irv out, I, I like him uh, to get a little bit more volume and not have to feel so dependent on uh, the touchdown or bust. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's good. I, I do think there's a couple guys I'd rather throw in above him that are probably not owned, uh, but he he's right outside my top 12. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on, Ty. I was just going to move on, so if you want to add something, go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to agree. I'm just a. Uh... <laughs> he's like a borderline tight end one in a yeah. tight end landscape yeah yeah i mean all you need with tight end really is a touchdown and 30 to 40 yards you know like you get three receptions for 30 yards and a touchdown you're a tight end one so i think that's possible with irv out and in this high scoring game like yeah i think it, you could do worse easily so let's go to the new england patriots at the los angeles chargers this is another game that kind of disappoints in the uh total so the Chargers lost last week like only the Chargers could. Holy fuck. But get this <laughs> get this regime out of my face. It was the polar opposite out there with the Bills coaching staff and Anthony Lynn. Like the end of the first half was nuts. They checked down to Austin Eckler on like this. This third and long play, they lined up to go for it. Then they called the timeout after time runs down. Anthony Lynn says punt it. And they're down 17 to 6 at that point, by the way. And that's not the most egregious part of that story. Like, they just didn't have a plan. Nobody was on the same page, like, as far as what the fuck to do should their third down play come up short. It was just, it was insane. And I'll end the rant there because everyone knows (laughs) how that game ended in the final play, the infamous quarterback sneak. That was just a microcosm of the entire performance by the Charger staff in that game, though. And even the four plays or whatever after the Hill Mary, but before the sneak were just terrible. And the sneak that was so sneaky, the offensive line didn't know it was coming. So... Anyways, this is Herbert versus the Patriots defense. <laughs> Usually we used to think of New England as just a rookie quarterback graveyard in past seasons. And last year, they were just an elite 
They were the top defense in the NFL. This year, they're one of the worst defenses in DVOA. It's just crazy. And the Chargers are actually favored in this game by one and a half. So they'll lose by one, undoubtedly. But the total <laughs> is just 47 here. And while the Chargers passing game is prolific, the Pats passing defense isn't a pushover by any means. And the offense, the Patriots run game is actually set up pretty nice. So what do you think, Justin? Should we temper our expectations for fantasy in this one? Or do you think the Chargers will be able to do Chargers things in this one against even against New England? Um, so I, I don't think that it's going to be like a, a super high scoring game. I think the Patriots are going to try and slow this game down some uh, and not let Herbert do what Herbert has been doing. And Bill Belichick is, I mean, he's a defensive genius like when he comes up with his strategies so uh, i think that he will be able to do it and out coach them basically uh i i'm not saying i think they win the game but <laughs> i think he'll be able to slow down the offense and keep that point total a little bit lower yeah and i i totally agree and i think it might come down a little bit to cam newton because I think they are going to have success with the run game, but what can they do on third downs and stuff like yeah, that might've been the, maybe the worst game I've ever seen Cam Newton play last week. He went <laughs> like nine for 18. He had under hundred yards, two interceptions, but it is a nice matchup. So Jules, what, what do you think? Are you going back to the well for Cam? Is he a top 15 guy this week? Oh man. Like <laughs> in single QB leagues, <clears throat> excuse me guys. Uh, Cam's a, a tough start for me, but you know, in, in super flex leagues, I'll roll him out there as my QB two, And I do think that the upside's there, but I, I just think it's capped, man. Like this team is, is a top five rushing offense and that's fantastic. But when you look at it, we really break it down. Like Damian Harris has been taking a lot of that volume and Cam's become less and less prevalent in the, in the running game. And there's almost no offensive game. Like I just, I don't really want a whole lot of pieces at all for fantasy in this game. You know, Bill on the other side, he shuts down basically always the number one, sometimes even the number two option on your team. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for Herbert. He's going to have to, he's going to have to show us what he's got. Is he able to make in-game adjustments and, uh, and, and read these defenses and be able to, to switch it up so that they can actually win this game? I guess we'll see. Do you think the Chargers try and lean on the run game too then? Yeah, I, I think it's very possible, man. I mean, as long as Austin Eckler is, is back in form, like they haven't really had a run game outside of him. But if he, he looked good last week, I was – he had a great week. And it was a guy career that I was – high in snaps. A career yeah. high in snaps. That was like my big takeaway. Just crazy. Also, four of the six red zone opportunities for the team. Yeah. So I'll, I will 100% roll Austin Eckler out there. I think he's probably top 12 this week, but I, you know, I have Keenan in a few leagues and I'm definitely tempering expectations. I don't think we're getting a two touchdown, 120 yard game out of him. We're probably, you know, going to see, uh, see a, see a game where, where we get six to eight targets and, you know, maybe he only completes half of those. So yeah, I, I'm a little worried. What about, are you worried about Mike Williams? Like, are you worried about him kind of in general going forward? Like, is there room for Mike Williams to produce with Austin Eckler back, who led all players in week 12 in targets? Yeah, I don't know if it's this year, man. Like, I love Mike Williams' talent. I think he's got all the tools in the world to be an elite NFL receiver. And, and this offense is, is going to continue to be great, but I don't think that he's been able to integrate himself enough to be a reliable fantasy option. But you know, I, I don't think anyone's going to beat themselves up for leaving Mike Williams on their bench either. If he goes for two no. touchdowns, it's, it sucks, but, you know, that that is what it is. Well, I think the thing I'm noticing is that he had just five targets last week. Exactly. Hunter Henry had 10, right? So is it Hunter Henry 
that is kind of ascending and becoming sort of into that second tier at a tight end, elite tier, whatever you want to call it, is that the reason Mike Williams can't produce or will these two continue to eat into each other? And we're just kind of waiting to see Mike Williams kind of take a little bit more of that volume and touchdown production. Yeah, I think all like I honestly think all four of the of the offensive fantasy weapons in this on this team can be effective for fantasy on, on any given week. I really do like the, these are all talented players. I just think the matchup has to be there and it's got to be a high scoring game. So the matchup is sure there for the running backs on the other side. If you're looking at it like what 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 I noticed is that like I'll just go to you, D Brown. Do you have Damian Harris ahead of James White? Because I have seen some rankings with James White ahead of Damian Harris. How do you see that? Um, no, I, I think the Patriots still seem to want to establish the run game pretty frequently week in and week out. So, uh, you know, of course, with Rex Burkhead heading to IR, that kind of put James White back on the map for me. But I'm still Damian Harris over James White if I have to plug one into my starting lineup. Yeah, and – like, unless they're way underdogs, you know, unless you think the Patriots right. are down early playing from and behind. The I totally or... And the touchdowns were pure luck. Like, Damian Harris had zero touchdowns last week, but he had three carries from inside the 10-yard line, while James White just happened to score on both of his, and he usually doesn't even see those touches inside the 10-yard line. So I'm with you there. I kind of feel the same way, by the way, guys. Like, I don't know if I – like. I don't know what I'm doing with, with this wide receiver room. Like, Jacoby Myers, is he a wide receiver three? What do you think, Justin? Jacoby. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, their offense, I don't think has been able like consistently to support it. I think, I mean, obviously he, he can be, it's just the consistency is the issue. Uh, they're this, they're just not generating points <laughs> and that, that's hurting every, all these wide receivers out there. I, I have a hard time leaning on any of these guys. I, I would love to see him be that weapon for them, but Right now, their offense just can't support that. Yeah, like not all percentages are created equal. This is actually his target yeah. share in the offense since week seven. 24%, 40% of the targets, 40% of the targets, 41%, 7%, 33% of the targets last year. So in 90% of offenses, this guy's like a high-end wide receiver two minimum. But yeah, right. I struggle <laughs> to even consider him a wide receiver three, even in this yeah. good matchup. And I think Cam has still only thrown one touchdown pass to the wide receiver position all ceiling. So just... All, all season, so no ceiling uh, yeah, to, entice, I, to entice us, yeah. I, I literally have him one spot outside of the wide receiver three. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's probably he's going to be on that borderline every week just so we can say we ranked him top 40 when he, when he does finally eventually <laughs> score right. a touchdown because he hasn't yet. Um, so I'm going to move right along, guys. Let's go to the New York Giants, New York football Giants at the Seattle Seahawks. Don't look now. A battle of division winners. <laughs> um, it's been a decade since the G-Men actually beat the Seahawks. 2010, that's a four-game streak. The Giants beat the Bengals last week, put them in first place, and made them kind of cheerleaders for Seattle on Monday Night Football. It was hilarious against the Eagles. Um, just to mention, the Giants were 100-1 to to win the NFC East at one point this offseason. Uh, so do you guys, th this is just a 48 point total is that right wow that is low i guess that has to do with colt mccoy uh d brown do you think seattle can score enough points to make this game go over they do score about 30 points per game this year yeah no i think i think uh seattle can probably hit that total on their own um you know hope hopefully chris carson can kind of get back to form here uh you know kind of got some into action last week but you were pretty disappointed from what you saw. You know, Hyde was out there getting a lot of that work. 
Um, so, you know, hopefully Chris Carson, another week healthy. I'd like to see him come out. This should be an opportunity for Seattle to really establish their run game. Uh, you know, so I'm really hoping that Carson has a nice bounce back week here. Yeah, totally. And, you know, he looked good last week eh, with that 16 yard. He looked like if his pants weren't on fire, it sure looked like they were. Uh, he just wouldn't take no for an answer. I love those kind of scores. Uh, the workload, the pass catching, the team philosophy down the stretch. I think there's so much to ask for Chris Carson, but definitely a guy that you want pieces of down the stretch. I also, I think we should monitor Carlos Hyde, who I think uh, is questionable for this game of the toe injury. What about uh, the other side of the ball? Because there's lots of injuries on the other side of the ball. Obviously, I mentioned Daniel Jones. He's out with that hamstring injury. I think he's still listed as probable, but will operate under the assumption that he is going to miss this game. Sterling Shepard limited with a shoulder and toe injury. Darius Slayton limited with a shoulder and foot injury. So their quarterback's out. Saquon, their star running back, long gone. And now they're two top wide receivers dealing with multiple injuries. Uh, You know, in Superflex, can you start Colt McCoy? Like, would you start him over Drew Locke against the Chiefs? because of the matchup i would guys uh you know yesterday on on our show we did a sleeper alert segment and i actually picked colt mccoy as my sleeper this week because i think he could be a top 15 qb i know it's a little bold but i think it can happen uh seattle's ranked you know number one against uh opposing qbs and he's given up a lot of pass yards a game they're top five and in terms of that um area so you know i think there there is a is room for this offense to move the ball here and i don't actually think colt mccoy is that bad of quarterback i think you go for 220 yards and two touchdowns and it basically locks you in as a top 15 quarterback i think it's possible yeah it's interesting like seattle is just beyond a pass funnel too like teams will attack the seahawks by throwing the ball they allow under 100 yards rushing per game so what do you guys think about Wayne Gallman then? Like, he's on a tear since week seven. He scored a rushing <laughs> touchdown in five straight games now. Still hasn't had a 100 rushing game in his career, for that matter. But last week, he did set career highs in carries and in rushing yards against the uh, against the Bengals, I want to say. Um, is this offense running through Wayne Gallman while Colt McCoy's the quarterback? Or was that just like a byproduct of them being up in the fourth quarter and Daniel Jones getting hurt in that game? No, I, I think it absolutely is kind of running through Goldman right now. You know, the last thing they want to do is give McCoy, you know, uh, too much on him, have him come out and have to drop back, have to drop back. So one thing you know is Goldman's going to have the volume, and that's going to keep him in the, uh, you know, RB2 conversation for me this week, even with, you know, the backup quarterback. The volume's going to be there, and he's produced, you know, the past six six weeks he's right up there with uh, some of the big boys as far as statistically going so uh you know i, I i'm gonna continue with it i'm i'm plugging gallman into a, a lot of lineups for tomorrow and um i think the volume will keep him as a high-end rb2 what about uh what about these wide receivers because you know they don't have to run the ball 40 times you know against seattle uh i definitely agree that they want to not put too much on on the shoulders of Colt McCoy but against wide receivers Seattle's just so outrageously bad whether it's receiving yards allowed air yards fantasy points anything so we're we're forced to sift through this wide receiver room and the strength of schedule is money here for a few weeks Seattle tomorrow Cardinals Browns after that so it's a nice little string of games for these wide receivers for the Giants I'll I'll start with Sterling Shepard since coming back from injury he has at least six catches in every game still has not hit 75 yards receiving all season though uh like no ceiling for this guy just one touchdown it came five games ago so 
is Sterling Shepard a top 36 wide receiver in this nice matchup or are you kind of fading him, Justin? Um, I mean, he, so, I mean, first let's see how healthy he is <laughs> coming into it. So, cause I mean, that could definitely determine it. Let's get him on the field first. Uh, but if he, assuming that he's healthy, I think that he does make it inside the top 36, just with this, like you said, this matchup, he's got a great matchup. Uh, and I mean, if Colt McCoy is going to be in the top 15, he's throwing the ball to someone. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I, I and I think he's looked he's actually looked really good. Like watching him play, he's the him running routes and stuff looks amazing. So uh it just sucks that he's playing, you know, playing for a team that doesn't score very often. So uh with Colt McCoy there, I don't think it's gonna be great for them, but there's gonna be points to be scored still just because they're going against the Seattle defense. So I I think he'll be their number one wide receiver this week. And, and that's what I want to see, right? Like, we didn't see them throw the ball really last week. It was kind of pathetic watching the Giants run the clock down in the fourth quarter in a game. But uh, <laughs> that And that's why Darius Slayton goose egg for fantasy last week. And I went to bat for him as, like, kind of a decent start last week and a nice matchup, too, against Cincinnati. But, yeah, and he was only targeted twice. He did drop a 75-yard touchdown that he should have had. It was a bit overthrown, but he, he, he got his dick beaters on it. He has now just 10 targets, six catches over the past three weeks combined five straight without a touchdown now scored just once since his two touchdown outing to start the season so Slayton is kind of trending in the wrong direction Jules are we done with him in fantasy for 2020 or is there still hope that he could be that guy who could put up some spiked weeks and good matchups coming up ah uh, man you know I think like especially in in two wide receiver one flex leagues I'm done with them there's no way I can plug this guy in my lineup as a wide receiver two or three. And, you know, you, you alluded to it with the past five weeks has been really rough for Slayton and kind of the emergence of Evan Ingram, right? He had a hundred yard game two weeks ago. And then last week was, I, I think he had, uh, sorry, he had a hundred yard game last week. And then the week before it um, five plus targets. So just has really been getting increasingly involved, you know, towards the beginning of the year, we saw a lot of drops from Evan Ingram. And I think he's just, he's corrected that and kind of carries. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. They, they're trying to get him the ball. So, I think that this offense go the 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 tier hierarchy goes uh, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and then Darius Slayton, and uh, I'm I'm not real excited about the third option in a Colt McCoy offense. I know I'm tooting his horn here, but <laughs> third third receiver that's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. So, do you think any of these guys, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, or any of them top thirty six options? Uh, yeah, I, you know, like like uh, Justin said, I'll throw uh, Sterling Shepard out there, assuming he can get out and be healthy. I do have some concerns with the toe and the shoulder injury, like multiple injuries going into a week. But this is just such a plus matchup. And if they get behind early and they got to come back in this game, like he, he's got, you know, he's got that volume. He reminds me a lot of Jarvis, to be honest, you know, like a little bit of a younger Jarvis Landry who just gets peppered with volume, doesn't score a whole lot, but is a pretty safe play most weeks. So speaking of slot wide receivers who are fairly one dimensional, what about Golden Tate? The guy had nine targets for some reason last week, uh, season <laughs> high by far, but just to lay it out in nine games played this year, Golden Tate has zero games with 50 yards receiving, which he did in seven of 11 games as a giant last year. And I kind of just bring it up because, you know, it's scary because I think it serves as kind of a roadblock for Darius Slayton, or it stands in the way of an explosion for Evan Ingram, who is, you know, the guy who's really come on. I think it has a lot to do with 
the Giants getting the run game going with Wayne Gallman, they can use Evan Ingram in a, a much different way. So do we think Evan Ingram's kind of like going into that that upper territory? Would you rather him or Hunter Henry? Or, you know, are these kind of the guys that we are betting on, though, going down the stretch? Uh, man, it, this week I'll take Ingram over Hunter Henry. But in Dynasty, I want I want Henry over Ingram. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, it's on my team. I would rather have Hunter Henry on my team. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I would, I would start him this week. Totally. So, guys, Josh Gordon reinstated, reinstated. Woo! Stop me if you heard that before. Stop me if you heard that before. I don't think anybody's like rolling him out there, game one. But what, what are our expectations for Josh Gordon down the stretch? Because it's pretty pessimistic out there. I have a suspension. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> Suspended in about uh, 48 hours once he gets drug tested. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder what it does for someone like David Moore, who's been kind of available in deep leagues when he scores and all that stuff. But, you know, are we are we worried at all about Tyler Lockett? Because he's been kind of quiet lately, and there's always a moment of realization when you start Tyler Lockett and you realize he's not going to blow up that week. That might be one of the worst feelings on the planet where you're like, shit, Tyler Lockett is not going to blow up this week. Yeah, he goes out, scores two touchdowns in the first quarter, and you're like, sweet, this is a Tyler Lockett week. Exactly. But then, you know, you're you're exiting halftime, and he has one target, zero receptions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and DK, right? Like, your league yeah. leader in receiving yards right now. He did have that flailing DK-like drop in the end zone after Slay just fell down on that route. But oh, So he, he, he left out on the table. But, man, like, DK that drop? isn't – Put me in the fantasy playoffs in my home redraft league. So, wow, <laughs> nice. right on, right on. I think the only way you can stop him is to go a keep to leave on him. Like people should be ripping his chain off because you know DK will start swinging, and then he gets yeah. the boot, and you know that's the only way you can stop this guy. I think <laughs> yeah, he you gets James literally Bradbury. have to get him out of the game. <laughs> it's the only and way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And okay. he does. Uh, DK does get James Bradbury this week. So three weeks ago, I would have pretended like this is a Tyler Lockett week, but I'll I will refrain from doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, anybody have any interest in Will Disley or Jacob Hollister? Or should I should I roll along here? Well, uh, Hollister over Disley, but let's move on. So <laughs> yeah. D Brown, I got this tiny little bladder, so I have to use the restroom. Would yeah. you mind uh, rolling into your Atlanta Falcons playing the Saints? And I'll be right back. Let's do it. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. We got the Saints coming down into Atlanta. Saints are the money on the road. And Atlanta has not been good at home. Uh, the rematch, Saints won 24-9 in just week 11. Um, Taysom Hill looked good. A couple of rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara, not getting any receptions, but still kind of dominated Atlanta just a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, Jules, who, who do you like from uh, the Saints side of the ball here? Uh, do you have uh, trust in Alvin Kamara having kind of a bounce back week or are you uh, fading him a bit? Man, you know, it, it pains me to say, but I am fading him. Uh, this is a this is a plus matchup, but we've seen what Taysom Hill is doing when he is under center. Like this guy scored four touchdowns in the two games he started, rushing touchdowns, and has only thrown for I think one and had that deep one to Emmanuel Sanders that got called back two weeks ago. So, like I I worry about Alvin Kamara. I think that he's like you're starting him. No one's benching Alvin yeah. Kamara, but I'm definitely just like you know. With Taysom Hill, I just think that upside is capped. He's not getting any of those dump-off passes, nothing like that, because this fucking Taysom can't 
throw the ball away. He just holds on to it, pulling a Carson Wentz. <sighs> it's, it's frustrating right. to watch. As a Kamara yeah. owner, it drives me nuts. Yeah, so. I think like with Kamara, like I, I have him outside. I agree, like he's capped because like I think he's outside that top, like the top tier of running back at this point. Definitely. Yeah. But but I still think he's a RB1 this week. <laughs> well, a player with that talent, I mean, it's it's so hard to to put them outside that area. Yeah. You can't, right? Like he's just yeah. such a talented player. He can he, he can make a play happen any any given play. He can take one to the house and it's it's tough to stop that. Yeah, well, it's kind of like a uh, you know, a brief little preview for Kamara as a dynasty aspect. You know, we need to kind of recognize what Drew Brees does for Alvin Kamara on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, and Drew Brees, once again, knocking on the door of retirement, you know, you got to take a step back and see what is Alvin Kamara going to be in 2021 and beyond. Um, you know, have we seen peak Alvin Kamara at this point? Or, you know, can we expect a bounce back? And Alvin Kamara, the skill, is he going to be able to dominate regardless who's at center so long as it's not our friend Taysom Hill? Man, that is a yeah. great question. And I and have will it be Taysom Hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, what happens to Kamara if uh, if Jameis comes in? You know, what if they bring somebody else in, right? What if they draft a guy? We don't know what's going to happen, honestly, right? I, I do know that Drew Brees has I, – I honestly am not sure if we're going to see Drew Brees Breeze play a full another season in the NFL. Yeah, and honestly, I think uh, if uh, Jameis comes in, it may be just as bad for for Kamara because he's not dumping off the the ball to you know uh, at the line of scrimmage throw. He's going down the field. So, right. guys, uh, could you imagine what Antonio Brown would do with Jameis just hucking him the ball down the field though? Oh wow, man, that'd be mad in real life. Like, yeah. just get your best player. Let's just run him as far down the field, and we'll just Tap throw it, it out there. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, man. Or Tyreek, oh. even. <laughs> oh, man. We already, we already have that, though. We, yeah. we just call it the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, Mahomes can can put the ball down the field like James Accurately. Can, but accurately. <laughs> <laughs> well, staying with the Saints here, what do you guys think about Michael Thomas? What are you doing with him? You, if you got him on your roster, are you feeling good about plugging him in? Yeah, man, I think he's a wide receiver too this week. I don't feel great about it, but I'm not benching him. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, he, the, he looked the talent great level. two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The talent's there. He looked great two weeks ago. I'm just pulling this up here, but I think he had in Taysom Hill's first game. He had six or seven receptions in that game, and uh, you know he, he was a, he was a viable fantasy option. I think they're going to try and get back to that. Use the weapons that they have on this team. There's not a whole lot of elite talent, so. Outside of the two elite talents, you know, there's nothing else. So, I don't and know. Then, and then jumping over back into Atlanta, I think Todd Gurley is he is he out again this week? Ty, do you know? He is indeed. So once again, you know, I kind of pushed some chips behind Brian Hill last week. Didn't really kind of go how I was hoping. Edo Smith came in and turned out to be kind of more of the efficient of the two. Um, either of those two pique anybody's interest this week. No, but uh, I do like Brian Hill more than Ito. Yes, me too. I, I I'm, I'm team Brian Hill over Ito as well. Ito's a bum. I don't. I don't I'll, care for him. I'll play devil's advocate, like just because 22 of Brian Hill's rushing yards came on his final carry. He was at 2.8 yards per carry before that one. So, you know, Ito Smith had six five yards on 12 attempts. 24 yards of his came in a fourth carry 
run, so I'll be fair there. But Atlanta's run game, I just think it, it kind of sucks. I don't think I want either of these guys for fantasy. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Judge Ito passed Brian Hill on the depth chart. Like, it, it still stands out that Hill outsnapped him so significantly, even though Ito Smith was running hot in that game. So I think there's definitely, you know, an argument to make about Brian Hill just being in there to pass protect sometimes for this very pass-heavy team. And I think that might be the route, but I, I honestly think we should probably just avoid both of them. And this defense is stout against the run. It's yeah. just it's, it's one of the best defenses in the NFL. And, like, like when Gurley was, was in the lineup, he was making most of his money off of efficiency. He's getting in the red zone, and he was scoring one or two touchdowns. But he was never pi- really piling up more than – he yeah, has put he big one, plays up in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Like he had one game of a hundred plus yards. So like, I just, I don't think there's volume there for the running back. I don't think there's a whole lot of red zone work. Cause even if, if I'm the Falcons coaching staff and I get in the red zone, who are you going to give the ball to Cal, like Calvin Ridley and potentially Julio Jones? Or are you going to try and give the ball to Edo Smith and Brian Hill? I just, uh, it, it doesn't feel good. And I'm completely staying away from it. No, and we, we saw earlier in the year, like, a play that really stands out to me is when Gurley got stopped at the goal line a couple of times, and they just threw to Hayden Hurst on fourth down. So that's another guy that they could definitely target. What What's the, like, do you guys think Julio's going to play? Because he's truly questionable in this game. You know, I'm, I'm leaning more towards he probably will not play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as the Falcons want to come out here and compete, I think uh, everybody's kind of under the assumption that it's a lost season at this point. And this hamstring's been lingering at this point. If you know, there's no need to get him out there. This isn't a must-win scenario against a tough Saints D. I wouldn't be surprised if they hold him out. And uh, if that's the case, Russell Gage gets a big boost. Oz, I believe, went on IR just recently. So you know, those two guys had kind of been. Those two guys had kind of been on the revolving door. Uh, So seeing him go onto IR really kind of gives me a boost for Russell Gage moving forward. He was their most targeted player last week, wasn't he? I think most receptions on the team in the first game against New Orleans as well. I think uh, Janoris Jenkins is out for this game. Marcus Davenport is out for this game. Those are two of the best Saints defenders. Uh, that's a huge boost for the passing game of Atlanta, too. So I think Russell Gage, wide receiver four, easily, maybe a flex guy for sure. I totally agree with that. Um, what do you guys think about Hayden Hurst? Because he's limited. He goose-egged us for fantasy football on just two targets against the Saints a couple weeks ago, but saw lots of targets last week. Do you guys trust him as like a top 10 guy? I do have him in my top 10, but do I trust him to be a top 10? No. <laughs> no, yeah. that's a different question. <laughs> yeah, if, if Julio's out, I, I'll give him a little bit of boost, and he will be in my top 10 for sure. Um, but, you know, he he – he looked better towards the beginning of the year and he's been a little bit more inconsistent as of late. Uh, and, you know, I, I had him and Janu in a bunch of areas and I seem like I've been moving those guys back and forth just so I can have the goose egg in my lineup. Uh, <laughs> it, it's been so aggravating. I, I'm laughing at myself week in and week out as I've been holding these two guys up, picking which one I want to start. It seems like whichever one I pick is the damn wrong decision. Yeah, um, throw throw Jordan Akins in there, and I'm in the same boat with all. Yeah, so it, it, it's been aggravating. I don't feel great about him, but if Julio's out, I do like the little bit of uptick in volume. He seems to be the number three option more often than not for Matt Ryan. Yeah. What about uh? Any? Did you guys talk Alvin Kamara? I, I imagine you guys did. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
much worse without Drew Brees. Yeah. News. <laughs> Pass catching is down. Breaking news. So what about uh, Michael Thomas? Did you guys talk about him? We we touched base on him too. Do you guys think like it's a either or kind of thing? Like one might be top five at their position, one might be a, a wide receiver one or running back one, but it might be at the expense of the other one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think if if MT comes out and actually, you know, commands volume and really just eats like, you know, we remember in days past, I think that would be at the expense of what we'd be hoping to get from Alvin Kamara. And if Alvin Kamara does start to receive those targets that we've been missing since Taysom Hill's been under center, you know, I think MT would kind of be left in the dust with what else Taysom Hill brings to the table. So if Kamara is eating, Taysom Hill seems like he's going to get his regardless. So I I do think that without the passing uh, efficiency from Taysom Hill, that Michael Thomas is probably the least likely to be successful. Yeah, well, and I think that like Michael Thomas, uh, well, he gets hurt from if if Kamara gets into the passing work, then that takes away from Michael Thomas. But Michael Thomas getting utilized doesn't necessarily take from Kamara. It's more Taysom Hill and what he's doing on the ground that's taking away from Kamara. Yeah. 100%. And I also think that's a, a byproduct of the team or Sean Payton, arrogance, whatever you want to call it. But the team doesn't necessarily ask Kamara to do X because Taysom Hill is mm-hmm. doing Y. So it's, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. frustrating watching that. Speaking of frustrating, I'm going to move along to the Philadelphia Eagles at, <laughs> at the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely have to. Only two teams in the NFL have gone 12 weeks this season without scoring 30 points in a single game this year the New York Jets and the Philadelphia Eagles. So we have a 49 and a half point total here. Green Bay are nine point favorites at home, which is kind of small actually, now that yeah. I think of it. But uh, I think they cover that. Yeah, I do. Like, I, yeah. like almost easily. So you're our resident Green Bay Packers fan, Jules. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? Do you think they're just going to kind of run rickshaw on them or do you think they'll they'll kind of ease up and go through the run game? Oh man, I think this game, I think they get up early and they get up often. And I think we look at. I think we see a lot of Jamal Williams in the fourth quarter. I'm all right throwing him out there as a, uh, a RB three flex type of guy. Been I, trying I, to tell you guys that for weeks, man. I, I was looking <laughs> back over it. Like this guy's only he's finished with less than eight points just twice on the season, and has had four weeks where he's in double digit. Three of those weeks where he was plus twenty points, albeit Aaron Jones being out and injured, and he kind of took advantage, but. Like, you know, that's a pretty safe floor from a guy that you were able to get in the 12th, 13th round of your draft. So for me, I'm, I'm pretty confident rolling out Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And I think they're both going to be good plays this week. And obviously, you know, Devontae Adams, we don't need to talk about him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what's his name has, uh, you know, Aaron Jones is coming off his worst game. But man, this strength of schedule that's coming up for Green Bay is so money. Oh. Um. So I'm just looking at the Eagles here. Lane Johnson went to the IR. That's kind of big news for the Eagles. They do get Zach Ertz back, who helps no way when it comes to, you know, <laughs> losing an off. Usually when you get a tight end back, you might be able to supplement some of the blocking issues you might have from losing a player like Lane Johnson. That is not the case, getting Zach Ertz back. Um, what about Carson Wentz? He's the quarterback 21 in expert consensus rankings. It looks like Seattle was the last straw, like the final straw for, for the pros. He is below Baker Mayfield and Mitch Trubisky, just above Matt Stafford. So is Carson Wentz somebody that you might even be sitting in a super flex league if you have better options? Are you playing yeah. Colt McCoy over him? 
<laughs> I, I actually have Colt McCoy one play one spot ahead of uh, Carson Wentz in my rankings. Me as well. He leads the NFL in interceptions, leads in sacks. I think he still might lead in fumbles as well. He has had the most drops by his team in the passing game as well. So everything possible going wrong is going wrong for him. And yeah, and just shit, dumb plays, man. Yeah, and he and then yeah. coming out and not even making dumb plays, but still shitting the bed against Seattle. So it just it blows my it blows my mind. It's gonna like people should be holding their breath to see how Colt McCoy does against Seattle after seeing how little uh, Wentz did. So. Miles Sanders might get a lot of the pressure put on him in this game because Green Bay allows the third most fantasy points to the running back position. Only the Lions have allowed more touchdowns to running backs this year. Nobody has allowed more receiving yards to the running back position this year. So great matchup for Miles Sanders. Our biggest annoyance is the drop passes. I guess, I mean, he leads the league in that, but it's actually more the the lack of bell cow volume. So going down the stretch, not even for this week, because he is a top 10 running back. Nobody's going to call him otherwise. But can he start to see some of that some of that bell cow volume and be a league winner? Yeah, I, I think he will. Uh, they have uh, a couple really good matchups for the fantasy playoffs as well uh, for running back. So um, I, I, I think that he will. Uh, but, I mean, he's also – I believe he has one really hard matchup in there. I'd have to pull that up. But um, – so I think that he'll do great in those, but he he's very defense dependent, you know, like I'm not going to start him against a great defense just because their offense is going to be so uh, curtailed on what they can generate. So what are we doing with these wide receivers? Like with the tight end use, Zach Ertz is returning now. There's ambiguity in this room so far as the, the priority, the totem pole, the pecking order. So are we starting any Eagles wide receivers for fantasy D Brown? No, I mean, right now, no, I don't feel good about starting any of them. You know, I was trying to kind of get in on the Rager train last week and, you know, just kind of hoping for it. But as of right now, I don't I don't feel good about plugging any of them into my lineup. You know, Carson Wentz, turnovers have, you know, kind of really put this team in a position to not be successful. And now they're bringing, you know, a little bit more Jalen Hurts in. You know, what does that do to Carson Wentz and his value, you know, on a weekly weekly basis let alone long term uh, or like a finishing the game mentality like who knows <laughs> yeah like you you never yeah. know yeah. right and just when we were getting hot with goddard you know here comes Ertz back off of ir right and, you know I don't which think is what that happened that, with fulgham i don't like, think that that's going to totally kill uh goddard but you know sure as hell isn't going to help mm-hmm. and he's coming uh, off like just two spectacular games it's just really frustrating and it's almost what happened with fulgham when dallas goddard came back like Right. That's what I've noticed. Like Jalen Rager, he's the wide receiver 51 in ECR, still hasn't hit 60 yards in a game. Also matching up with Jair Alexander. That is not good, Bob. And Travis Fulgham, wide receiver 63 in ECR. He has just four catches in three games since the Eagles buy. 32 yards receiving in those three games combined. So I uh, I just don't know what's going on because like Fulgham, they're, they're throwing contested catches and everything. Bad balls to Jalen Rager, and those might be best suited to go to Fulgham. And then his red zone role is just evaporate. I mean, he scored four or five games for the bye week. Hasn't scored since. I don't know what happened with Travis Fulgham. Um, so what, what, what do we think about the tight ends then? Like Zach Ertz is back. D Brown, you said not too worried about, uh, about Dallas Goddard, but do we think that Goddard kind of falls below some of those guys that we were talking about? Like, or is he still ahead of guys like Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram? Uh, no, I'd probably rather play Hunter Henry over Goddard, you know, with, with Ertz being back. Um, you know, once again, it just kind of comes back to quarterback play. You know, Herbert's been playing well, uh, and I feel like he 
presents a lot of upside for the guys around him. When Wentz, you know, you're just hoping that they can get down the field without turning the ball over. Um, so, you know, I, like I said, I, I was riding Goddard hot the last couple of weeks, but I think Earth coming back does kind of muddy those waters just enough with the inconsistency from Carson Wentz to give the guys like Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry the nod over Goddard this week. And are you are you leaving Ertz on your bench? You're not going to start him in his first game back. No, I'm I'm typically coming back from any type of injury. I'm a one week back before I, you know, unless I'm in a bind, and you know, of course, I'll throw him out there. But typically, I'm he, he's going to be a back end uh, or, or tight end one, you know, to high high tight end two for me this week. Yeah, it's that's going to be a tricky one for some people who have like ugly tight ends that they've been streaming because I'm in that situation. I'm still I'm just playing Eric Ebron over him in a, in one league. I'm yeah, like, nah, don't I'll take nah. Ebron over him. <laughs> yep. Um, sorry, go Debron. I said I'll take I'll take Ebron over Ertz this week as well. Yeah. So Devontae Adams, everyone will take. He gets Darius Slay, but who cares? And seeing DK make plays even with Slay. <laughs> In good coverage, maybe Rodgers notices that, and so he won't have an issue throwing contested balls to Devontae this week. Um, Slay is also dealing with a calf injury, FYI. But we are back to the Alan Lazard. Is it a DK Metcalf injury? Oh! <laughs> um, so we are back to the Alan Lazard MVS debate, guys. Uh, MVS is kind of the guy that, was coming on. Alan Lazard scored last week, but just 41 yards receiving in his two games combined since returning from injury. So who do you guys want out of those two and are either kind of are either top 36 options ever? Oof. Man, I don't want to play either of those guys. I'm going to be like, I love Aaron Rodgers. I love this offense, but the touchdowns are going to Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and the occasional <laughs> uh, Jamal Williams, you know, like I just I don't I, I don't know who it's gonna be. I think with Lazard back, he takes on more work than uh than MVS was getting, but they kind of split the load, you know. Like I, I think Lazard becomes that that PPR guy and he's he's more involved in between the twenties. But like I think that red zone touch I think that touchdown is honestly a bit of a fluke and it was this is the guy that was open, so Aaron Rodgers threw him the ball. But that's it's not going to be that guy every week. Some weeks it's going to be Tunyon, and some weeks it's going to be uh, it's going to be Aaron Jones. And then like they used Devontae Adams like a freaking running back down there. So it, it those just, are the three guys that you want to bank on a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like I just and I, I just don't think the passing volume is going to be there because this offense has actually turned more into a run first offense and then creating play action through the you know through this strong run game. So. For me, that's I, I'm I'm out on Lazard and MVS, but if I had to pick one between the two, I'll take Lazard. I I'm a little bit higher on Lazard than you, but I I agree with you. Well, he gets Lazard's getting the slot use, so he's going to always see like the easy coverage. But I would mention this week in particular, MVS has a spectacular matchup against Vontae Maddox. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of one of those things where I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if in the first half Green Bay throws three touchdown passes because these are some serious speed size mismatches uh, at wide receiver and cornerback. But I think what you said was kind of nailing the the hitting the nail on the head. Man, I can never get that. Expression. I always miss um, that, that expression too, man. I, yeah, I, it's an exact <laughs> science or an inexact science. But you yeah, like your head I, up a bull's ass. <laughs> 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 nice. That, one. that is nice. much easier. 
<laughs> so yeah, I just think uh, you nailed it. Like we've devalued the wide receiver two in an Aaron Rodgers offense since Jordy Nelson left. Like it's just been the way. And then it was just exacerbated by Lafleur coming in and, and rolling out some of the schemes we've seen. So you brought up Robert Tunyon, not to be confused with Robert Tanyan. Uh, he's got to be a top 10 <laughs> tight end this week and going forward. We talk about the reliance or the expectations of touchdown scores and how they finish in fantasy. Uh, are, are you guys big Robert Tunyon top 10 tight end proponents or are you guys kind of skeptical? I'm skeptical myself. I, I have him uh, uh, just outside my top 10. So do you have Eric Ebron ahead of him this week? I do. Do you have Hayden Hurst ahead of him this week? Um, yes. Yeah. So that's kind of like a tier I put those guys in, but I yep. think I would actually have <laughs> there, Robert. Tunyon it's the three of those top. in a row. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Cool. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> well, ju- Justin is that Julio Jones and Todd Gurley are both expected to play tomorrow. Oh, Todd Gurley as well. Yes. So I need to adjust my ranking accordingly, but that just came across the wire about five minutes ago. So Julio Jones has had a lot of success against the Saints in his career. So is Calvin Ridley. Well, both play as well. So I don't think this downgrades Calvin Ridley uh, as much as some people might make it out as well. You know, Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, exactly. Because Janoris Mm -hmm. Jenkins is out. So he might get a spectacular uh, matchup this week. But I think overall, uh, it just lends to the fact that like Todd Gurley coming back is less important, in my opinion, than Julio coming back, just because I think they do try and, you know, pass a lot in this game. Agreed. I I will say Todd Gurley coming back, I think that hurts Calvin Ridley's red zone targets a little bit, just because he he gets a lot of those uh, like 10 yard red zone targets. And I think a lot of that, it ends up going to Gurley when they're down there. So uh, temper expectations Agreed. a little bit, but I do think it opens up the field for them in between the 20s. And, yeah. that, and that's what I'm he saying. Scores accidentally. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so, you know, we talked about those tight ends. We don't need to talk about uh, – yeah, so let's just move on here, I guess. We'll go to – The Raiders. The, yeah, the Raiders. So the Raiders are going to the Big Apple – Las Vegas guys is seven and four against the spread this year. So I, I've, I've really made some money on the Raiders this year and the jets are plus eight. So eight point favorites for the Raiders. What do you guys think? Do you guys think the Raiders are that much better than uh, the jets who have really actually come on in the last few weeks? Sounds crazy to say. Yeah, no, I like, I like a Derek Carr bounce back week this week. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs being out, um, you know, I, th- I think that Carr is going to kind of have to take over, and he's got got the matchup to do so. The Jets have been, you know, beat up in the secondary. So I think if the Raiders are going to move the ball, the the, uh, the path of least resistance is for going to be Derek Carr to air this ball out a little bit. And I think the Jets probably can't offer as much resistance as uh, as is last week's matchup. Like the Falcons actually just came out and had a studly game, and you know, Deion Jones does what he does best, scores pick sixes. Um, so I do think, yeah, I agree. We're starting He's expert consensus ranking quarterback 14. So 100% a top streaming option this week. Are you starting him over Cam Newton against Chargers, D Brown? Yes. Yeah. That's a decision I had to make in a league and I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't like that decision either, but yes. So Josh Jacobs, his day was cut short after 10 touches. He also had a fumble last week. The Falcons, man alive, they bottled him up. So he suffered an ankle sprain. He is out this week. So Devontae Booker gets the world, basically. Uh, He gave us a couple of money weeks a few weeks back. He is in a good spot against the Jets. And you have to think he could see a ton of use 
uh, in the second half, favored by eight points in this game. So, Jules, do you think he's a, a running back two with Jacobs out, or is Booker a running back one this week? No, I think he is a two. Uh, I, I think that Jacobs being out actually is a, a bigger boost for Carr. I think they're going to um, rely a little heavier on the pass game. I think Nelson Aguilar has a big game in this one, 100-plus yards and a touchdown is what I got him projected for. And I think we could even see uh, a little bit of Henry Ruggs come to life here. Right now. I did a little bit last week. Yeah, well, honestly, man, I, I mean, he he was getting targets last week. He got some red zone targets. But the biggest thing that I saw was that Derek Carr was actually trying to feed him the football, which we haven't seen it all throughout pretty much the entire season. He's kind of been a third, fourth, even a fifth option at times. And and Derek Carr was actually trying to get him the ball, which you know tells me they want to they want this playmaker to actually try and make some plays. So I. I I'm not excited about playing rugs, but I do think he can get involved here. Like I said, I love Aguilar. I think uh, Renfro is going to be a pretty safe PPR option that you can rely on. And yeah, I'm, I actually think Derek Carr's a top 12 option this week. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned those, but like, so they've allowed the jets have allowed the sixth most air yards to wide receivers yeah. or maybe overall, but that aligns really well with the skill set of the wide receivers on Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, where, where do you stand, Justin? Have you been starting any of these wide receivers for the Raiders or is it too volatile uh, for you? I, I haven't been, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Like you said, this is a good matchup for them. Uh, I, I, I think I've thrown rugs out there a couple times <laughs> in desperate situations, you know, um, so Rug, rugs or Travis Fulgham asking for a friend. Oh, I go rugs. Yeah, rugs. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings up a good point because Nelson Aguilar is a high end wide receiver for he's a top 40 wide receiver this week in expert consensus rankings. So I think we could all agree with that. Obviously, there's a little volatility associated with that ranking. But should it be set in stone? Because it seems to be, when you look at expert consensus rankings, that Aguilar is a better option to start in our fantasy lineups than Henry Ruggs. Yeah, I mean, he feels safer, no doubt. Um, you know, But once again, we all know what Henry Ruggs is capable of. And mm -hmm. that ceiling, you know, fantasy football, that's what we're after. We want, we want the boom, baby. And... Uh, I do think that this is a good opportunity for Rugg to provide that boom and really kind of put his name on the map. Uh, you know, he's kind of looked like a, a, a miss for the Raiders organization just due to lack of volume getting exactly. him involved in the offense. Um, you know, so if, if they could really kind of establish him late in the season, I think that could really provide huge dividends for his dynasty stock moving forward. Yeah, and I won't I won't rabbit hole because I have before, but the it is just the volume. I mean, he hasn't seen six targets in a game. He hasn't had more than three catches in a game. For we saw his ceiling, by the way, on three targets against Kansas City earlier in the season. Unfortunately, in the six games since then, he's had less fantasy points than he did in that one game combined. But my point is that you know we can't be blaming Henry Ruggs for any of this at all. In fact, the guy we can blame is Derek Carr because if you look at the catchable deep target rates, he only throws these targets to people who are open. So Hunter, Renf uh, Hunter Renfro and Aglor are seeing a ridiculous amount more catchable deep targets than uh, than Henry Ruggs. It's really frustrating. That's why Nelson Aglor has five touchdowns last eight games and. Yeah, it's just, it's super frustrating because Nelson Aguilar, when he doesn't score in two of those three games in the last eight games that he hasn't scored, he scored under two fantasy points. So he's been extremely boomer bust. And I think we know that Henry, Rigg, uh, Henry Ruggs is going to be, but I think we're kind of all in agreement that it wouldn't surprise anybody if Henry Ruggs kind of, if those two flip flopped when it comes to value uh, mm -hmm. at, at any time. So what, what do you guys think? Speaking of flip and flop and volume, uh, value at wide receiver, what about these Jets wide receivers? Like is Jameson Crowder dead to us? I mean, it's been uh, dead to me for half a decade. But. 
<laughs> like since he started in the league or <laughs> since whenever the first time he got injured after the first time he came back from getting injured. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not playing him this week or anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, man, I mean feels like the play. Yeah, and it, I, I it's like just trippy. Like, yeah. So, do you think Mims is kind of taking over? Like, do you guys think Mims mm. and Bershad Perriman should be ahead of Jameson Crowder at this point? Uh, Mims, one hundred percent sure. Perryman is a little bit. I have him just below Crowder. So, do you think any of them, Justin, are top thirty-six guys? No. No. Eh? Yeah. So I'm looking at it. ECR has all of them as wide receiver fours. Crowder, wide receiver forty-one. Really quick. Crowder started the year with over hundred yards receiving in three straight games. He's under fifty yards receiving in every game since then. It's just crazy. Uh, Bershad Perriman, wide receiver forty-four in ECR. Denzel Mims, wide receiver forty-seven in expert consensus wow. ranking. So yeah, okay. I was, yeah, I was really surprised I, about that. I have Mims at thirty-eight, uh, Crowder at forty-five, and then Perryman at forty-seven. Yeah, see, and that sounds about right to me. I think maybe I would rank Mims and Perriman pretty close to each other just because I do think that, you know, the A dots, everything's pretty similar. I just like Mims more, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting one. What do you guys think about Aguilar against these guys? Like, would you rather start Nelson Aguilar or one of these uh, Jets wide receivers? Oh, I love that you brought it up because I was actually uh, looking at that uh, uh, just a minute ago. Um, I have Aguilar in, in the middle of these guys. So. Really? Yeah. So you have Mims ahead and then Aguilar's in there and yep. you got the other two. Yeah. No, I'll confidently start Aguilar over all three of the Jets wide receivers. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> cool. And we are confidently starting Darren Waller and we are never starting Chris Herndon, unfortunately. Don't even say his name. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, bridge to nowhere. So uh, <laughs> I will use that as a bridge to a division rivalry game. Let's go to the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. And we are, you know, over two hours. So I'll start going rapid fire here because I really feel bad that I take so much of uh, my guest time all the time. So, man, you know what? Detroit, we're doing pretty good, though. We're, we're doing better than normal. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, kick rocks, Brian. Never come back. <laughs> Kidding, kidding. Um, speaking of never come back, the Detroit Lions and Bears could play no more games the rest of the season, and I'd be happy. This is a 45-point total. The Bears are three-point favorites at home. Do we think the Lions can have any success? We have Kenny Galladay, by the way, out again in this game. We have Khalil Mack out for the uh, – actually, I'm not sure. I haven't double-checked that, but Khalil Mack did not practice with a back injury earlier in the week. So – where do you guys stand on this game? Do we think the Bears are going to win? Do we think the Lions could have some success on offense? Oh, man. As ugly as it is, I think the Bears do have some success in this game. Uh, you know, go, even going back the past three years, every single time Mitch Trubisky has played the Lions, he's been a viable fantasy option. I think he's – man, I can't even say this, but I think he's a top 15 quarterback this week against this putrid Lions defense. And I think the weapons on that team can – can be effective. You know, I love Monty in this game and I love Allen Robinson outside of that. I mean, I'll take a flyer on Darnell Mooney, but anyone else on the Bears side, I don't want any involvement in. Yeah. Mitch, Mitch has played really well against the Lions. He has three passing touchdowns in each of the past four games against That's Detroit. What I'm saying. 25 fantasy points against them. Best game from this season was against Detroit. 
interestingly, under 30 yards rushing in all four of those games. But I would point out that he has been so much worse throwing down the field this year compared to past seasons. And we trusted him against Atlanta for fantasy earlier in the season, Mr. Trubisky, <laughs> and Foles replaced him in that game. I'll never forget it. It's imprinted on my fantasy soul for 2020. Um, but just to like lay that out, like he is two for 20 on deep ball attempts this year. He has three interceptions, more interceptions than completed deep ball attempts this year. Um so what do you guys think is, you know, Darnell Mooney is an air yards machine, but I'm pointing out these deep ball attempts and completions. Uh, is Mooney getting a little bit overranked this week? Do you guys think? Um, you know, I mean, I, I like Mooney. I, they're both, both Mooney and Robinson are expected to play uh, without any pregame setbacks. I like them both this week. You know, Detroit line secondary hasn't been good really. So, uh, you know, Unfortunately, Mitch Trubisky's deep ball hasn't been there or else Mooney would have some statistics that we'd all be talking about. Oh my uh, God. You know, he's, he's definitely surpassed Anthony Miller uh, in the pecking order as far as uh, playing time goes. And uh, I like him here. I, I don't mind him as a uh, you know wide receiver three this week. Uh, and I, I do, like Jewel said, I like Mitch. Uh, in this spot as well. I'm not, I'm actually starting him in a couple of super flex leagues. And for the record, like his only two completed deep ball attempts this year did come in week one against Detroit. So you never know. And 62 deep ball attempts would be the number of Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky combined this season. That would be tied second with Aaron Rodgers. So that's just crazy. And what is even more crazy is Chicago is tied for the fewest team drops this year. They have just 10 all season that like they haven't left anything on the table. Like it's just hilarious to me. Yeah, it's just because their quarterbacks are trash, but their receivers are elite. Yeah. And right. the defense has been pretty good too. It's just crazy. Oh yeah. So David Montgomery, let's talk about defense. Like Detroit. Yeah. Their secondary is pretty shitty. Their run defense is putrid. Like, and David Montgomery, he's coming off the biggest play of his life. 57 yard run last week. Never thought I'd see that it was against green Bay, but uh, you know, nothing lends <laughs> to Chicago throwing the ball or Mitch scrambling with his legs for that matter. And David Montgomery has momentum for the first time ever. The running back matchup is just crazy over 165 yards from scrimmage allowed by Detroit running backs have scored 21 times against Detroit by far the most. They score over 30 half PPR points against them. So is David Montgomery like a running back one this week? Is he somebody we even target in DFS maybe? I, I have him as my running back 11. That is high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not unjustified. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he looked yeah. good last week. Yeah, and, all right, so and the matchup, just, like he he's just got a good matchup. Because mm -hmm. I'm not a huge David Montgomery fan, but I think uh, the 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 strength of schedule was a lot of the reason that I accepted a lot of the buy David Montgomery uh, discussions that were coming around a few weeks ago. Uh, what about on the other side? Because we were all buying DeAndre Swift around that time. That's for sure. He was limited, uh, you know, early in the week with the concussion. Missed last week with that concussion. But now downgraded midweek with an illness or something. But the bear he's not going to play. And the Bears are a pretty tough matchup for running backs. If, you know, do we think, do we have any interest in these other backs? Adrian Peterson, on Johnson would either crack top 24. Uh, no, yeah. not really. I mean, I think you were lucky if you started AP last week and the beginning of the game he fell into the end zone twice. You know, mm -hmm. but pretty much after that he didn't do anything else. Um, you know, against this Bears D, I, I don't really care for either two of those 
uh, yeah. in my starting lineup. I do kind of like uh, Quintez Cephas this week as kind of a deep dart play, whether it be DFS. The Lions actually just cut Marvin Hall. Yeah. I don't know if you really? saw that. Yeah, so they they it's yeah. supposed to open up a little bit more playing time for the rookie. And, you know, Marvin Hall was getting a pretty good amount of snaps over the course of the season. So look for mm-hmm. Quintez Cephas to get a bump in playing time over the remainder of the year. Totally. Like he almost will have to play the lid lifter in that mm-hmm. offense. Or so that's really trippy because I don't think Marvin Jones can do it really anymore. Because, I mean, Kenny Galladay is out again. That's the preface here. But that also means Kyle Fuller will be lined up against Marvin Jones. That is a brutal matchup. And, you know, the Bears are a brutal matchup for wide receivers in fantasy. Third worst. Wide receivers have just seven touchdowns in 11 games, which is the other way that Marvin Jones can possibly win. So do you guys think, like, he is Marvin Jones outside the top 36? Like, we're not even starting Marvin Jones this week? No, for me, I, I have no interest. You know, what like, about, I just think – sorry, go on, Ty. Well, I was going to say, what do you what do you think in like context of a T. Higgins against the Dolphins or or a Marvin Jones? No, I lean T. Man, I just I believe in the talent there more. The big body receiver, regardless of the QB situation, like I just like you you pointed to it yourself with Fuller, and I know that Ryan Tannehill is still dealing with that torn ligament in his hand, and like there's just so many things that lead towards this not being a great game for any of the Lions' weapons for fantasy, like. I'm just, I'm honestly out on most of this team as a whole. Yeah. So let's go out on this team then as a whole. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, we can mention he's a top five tight end this week easily. And for some reason, Chicago is just a tight end funnel for fantasy this year. They're really tough against every position except tight end. They're a top five fantasy matchup. Uh, so moving on, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Miami Dolphins. This is such a tiny over under. The total is 42 and a half. The Dolphins are favored by 10 and a half. That implied total for the Bengals is puny. So let's start here. Who plays at quarterback for, for Miami? I think it's Fitzmagic. Yeah, I, I think, think, I think, I think so too. Yeah. too. Yep. I hope it is, honestly. I got Devontae yeah. Parker in a couple leagues. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, so you so, know, Jules, like, is it as simple as saying if we own Parker, we want Fitzmagic starting? If we're invested in the run game, we want, yeah, Tua? Okay. 100%, man. Yeah, and honestly, with all the injuries in the running back room, if they want to play how they're playing under Tua when he was in there, they might be just better served to play Fitzpatrick uh, with all the injuries in that running back room. Mm-hmm. So, Miles Gaskin, by the way, he could be a league winner if Tua is the the quarterback back under center. Um, he returns in this game. He was a solid running back too, scoring over 14 points per game in PPR before going down. Do we think he returns to running back two status? Like what end of the spectrum do you think he falls on in that running back two range? I, I have him just inside my RB two, like, or just like he's the back end of the RB two. So right at the end of that RB two spectrum. Do you, for me. Who do you have higher from this game? Do you have him or geo? Um, I have, I think I want to say I have geo. Yeah. Cause I think that's a decision. A lot of owners will have to make, right? Somebody who got geo on waivers and has been waiting for Gaskin to return. Oh, and- my, I have Gaskins just ahead of geo. Sorry. I have uh, geo yeah, at 25. Sure. Sure. <laughs> that's the classic change on the spot yeah i had to, I had to consult my rankings <laughs> <laughs> no and I, I think it is really close for a lot of people and uh you know if you had to start one i think i might go with gaskin just because samaj p ryan has been a little bit involved in that that 
implied total is just so tiny. Mm-hmm. And Salvin Ahmed, he is doubtful for this game. Matt Breida is dead to us as ever. And uh, so let's go to the wide receivers. I wanted to ask Devontae Parker is wide receiver 18 in ECR. Uh, would you guys start Devontae Parker or Brandon Cooks in that matchup against the Colts? Mm-hmm. I'll take Parker. Yeah, I think Parker too. What about Parker or any of the three wide receivers from the Steelers? Maybe rank those those four guys for me, Jules or D Brown. I'll go Deontay Johnson, Parker, Claypool, Juju. Boom. Yeah, man. I actually uh, I have the same order. Yeah, I think it's pretty close, and I might I might just like throw Juju at the back just because of lack of ceiling, but he might have like the better floor of some of those yeah. guys. But yeah, I really like that ranking. That's the way I. I think I'd go as well. And just to mention that we want fits like this season, Parker averages over 15 points per game in PPR with him. Parker averages under 10 points in fantasy under Tua in 27 career games. Parker scored five points per game more with Fitz as his quarterback. So uh, the other guy that kind of elicits that same conversation is Mike Kosicki. Like he's been a pretty tough read this year. Also schematically, it's been much more important to have Fitzgerald uh, Fitzmagic as his quarterback. So do you guys do you guys like Mike Gesicki either or or do you think it is very important that Fitzmagic's his quarterback for him to be a top twelve tight end? You know, I, I think the talent's there regardless of who's under center, obviously, but it it obviously really helps with, with Fitzmagic there. He loves that tight end position. He sees a lot more volume there. For whatever reason, they're just passing the ball so much more with Fitzmagic in the lineup. Like it just opens up the game so much for the pass catchers there. So if I'm a Gasicki owner, I want Fitzmagic in the lineup. And if I'm not, I I do have my concerns about uh, Gasicki this week. Yeah, and in six games uh, with Fitzmagic as his quarterback, he scores over 11.5 fantasy points, under five fantasy points per game in the five games with Tua. So they're definitely not letting him go out to the slot as much with Tua, definitely leaving him in to block for whatever that's worth more with Tua. Um, speaking of frustrations because of quarterback, what are we doing with these wide receivers? Like, I know everyone says T Higgins is quarterback proof after one game, after one second half, in my opinion, uh, is that true? Or am I, uh, my bias bleeding through? I mean, I'd, I'd like to think so, but you take away that one touchdown grab from last week and, you know, we're not ranting and raving about how T Higgins is quarterback proof. Um, you know, I, I love what I've seen out of him this year, but you know, if I don't have to start him, I might it's a be tough matchup at, too. Yeah, I might be yeah. looking at other options this week. Um, you know, obviously he's a great, great dart, but Miami Dolphins defense has really stepped up this year. And, you know, a backup quarterback is a backup quarterback, even if Brandon Allen seems serviceable. I'm not expecting necessarily any boom game um from Higgins or Boyd. So, you know tempering expectations at least to that degree while it might end up being something that i'm okay with at the end of the day i don't believe it's going to be something that i'm really excited about yeah i think that's that's a good point like you're not going to regret not starting these guys i don't think yeah that's a yeah that's one that i because i keep starting boyd i think i'm gonna start boyd again in a league i'm actually gonna start him over t higgins in a league so I know I feel like I'm the last man on earth doing that, but I think this week in particular with the tough matchups at outside cornerback, I, I kind of like Tyler Boyd still. So mm-hmm. I, I know I feel like I'm the last one, but uh, there's definitely no way both can produce in the same week. I think that's a good point to make. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I actually think it is a Tyler Boyd week. 
think the, the guy in the slot, he's an easier receiver for a young quarterback to hit a backup quarterback to with a to shit line. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's just like, it's closer to the quarterback. It's, it's physically just the easier target to target. I think uh, Tyler Boyd probably outproduces T Higgins in this one. Yeah. Xavier yeah, and been lights out. Totally. Yeah. And what we'll see in this game is Brian Flores really outproduce uh, Zach Taylor. I think that's another trend I'm watching is this coaching staff in Cincinnati. So let's go to a spectacular set of coaches here. Uh, the Buffalo Bills at the San Francisco 49ers, two of my favorite coaches. Uh, this no is kidding. a Monday night football game. I'm not sure if it's Monday night football 1.0 or Monday night football 2.0, but it is a very low total considering how good the Bills offense has been at points this year. So it's a 47 point total. What is really shocking is San Francisco was just a one point favorite. I straight up got in at San Francisco being a two and a half point underdog. So I, uh, I was surprised that the money has really come in on the 49ers. So I got to go to you, Justin, at home here. Or are they at home? I mean, they are playing in Arizona, I believe. <laughs> is that true? And, and how do you think this game plays out? Yeah, yeah, they are playing in Arizona. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Like, uh, they got to win this game, right? So that way they can, like, claim Arizona Stadium. You don't want to lose and then have to stay there and play there again. Like, like they play Arizona next week? Yeah. And no way, really, in Arizona. Yeah, so that's oh, why that's I'm so saying, I, I, yeah, you don't want to lose and have to stay. And they have two home games there as well. Yeah, like, like they're going to take over Arizona yeah, starting tomorrow. So. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but honestly, I don't expect them to win this game. Um, they're, they're still too banged up. They got Debo back, uh, you know, Ayuk's there. But, I mean, their quarterback's out. You still have Kittle out. You, the, they're just, like, piecemealed together. They have great coaching, which has held them together. But it, it's just not a good situation for them. I'd be shocked if they win this game. And the Bills have been very good they're i i think they don't get enough credit for how good they're doing this season and as of late like i think what's amazing about the bills is we all came into this season kind of under the assumption they'd be a top 10 defense we all kind of just assume that and we thought their offense would be prolific at times we thought it would struggle at times who knows what, what everyone probably thought differently about josh allen and what would happen with this offense? But what we have seen is this defense has really started to come into their own. They were really bad when you look at DVO and everything. But over the last three or four weeks, they've they've really cinched it up. And they get Matt Boano back. Like, they have a good defense. Their defense is good. They just haven't played super good. So I, I totally agree. Like, we're, we're definitely ignoring Nick Mullins for, for even maybe super flex purposes this week. Um, but the running back room for San Francisco, we're definitely targeting. Raheem Mostert, yeah, he fumbled last week, but he's definitely the guy we want. He has the burst. Uh, is he a solid running back too, like rest of the way? As long as he's on the field, man, I think he is. He He's one of those guys, he, he kind of reminds me of Chris Carson in the way that like he doesn't need a whole lot of snap share or even volume in order to be efficient, but he just gets on the field. He's so good when, when they get him in space and – like he, he can he can break off any run for seventy yards if he can get out on the edge. So I'll, I'll roll Raheem Mostert out. You know, especially with the price you had to pay to get him, and with these injuries, if you traded for it, like you were probably able to buy him pretty low with the uncertainty that that offense brings. Like, you know, if I can roll this guy out as a RB three, a flex guy, I'm, that's easy money to me. Absolutely. Yeah, the schemes just—they really. You know, Shanahan's run, this outside zone scheme is just ridiculously good. He's a ridiculous fit for that scheme. Mm -hmm. And he he led he led in snaps for, for the running backs in week 12. 
under 50%, but I think, you know, he also lost a fumble that the Rams scooped and scored on, so that was frustrating. He probably doesn't play much of a bit. My whole point is that I don't think he needs, like, a ton of snaps, ton of work. You're right, Jules. Like, yeah. even the pass-catching work, like, it's very similar to how I how I think of Chris Carson for fantasy, but I think he's, like, the clear running back to own in this backfield. Like, 100%. the only thing I would ask is, like, does Jeff Wilson cap him? Because he did get a lot of work. He also fumbled in that game, by the way. Uh, but we know Shanna, you know, Shanna hot hand. He likes his multiple running backs. He likes whoever the fuck ever, too, and loves Tevin Coleman for some reason. So we have all these other <laughs> right. names. Jerick, uh, Jerick McKinnon, Jerick McKinnon. You know, and he played a bunch of third down yeah. snaps last week. They just weren't on, you know, they, they happen to win that game. So, uh, you know, do we worry about Raheem Mostert's ultimate ceiling or do we have any faith? Is there a favorite running back behind him that you guys want to stash? I don't want to stash any of the running backs behind him. I, I would I'd own him. If he goes down, then maybe I would go try and grab one of them off the waiver wire, but I'm not going to keep him on my bench to just, you know, keep take up a spot that I could use for a player that I know is the the backup running back for someone else, you know. Yeah. So you're dropping Jarek McKinnon at this point? Yeah, I have in every league I had him. Yeah. Um, so what about the other side of this, you know, this game with the running backs, which I hate, because uh, obviously we're starting Josh Allen. It's not a great matchup. We're starting him. Devin Singletary, he had a better game last week, but he also fumbled in that game. He out, he was outsnapped by quite a bit by Zach Moss, too. He obviously seeds some of the high leverage work to Zach Moss. Um, and Josh Allen, what do you know, got the rushing touchdown last week. So expert consensus ranking has Devin Singletary as the running back 36, barely an RB3. Moss is the running back 33 in expert consensus rankings. Also just huge deviations for uh, both players. So I'd love to just go rapid fire around the horn here, guys. Zach Moss or Devin Singletary? And are you starting either of them against San Francisco who are a bottom 10 matchup for running backs in fantasy? I'm not starting either. If I have to pick one, it's Zach Moss. I'm not starting either, but I'll go Singletary. Uh, I'm also not starting either of them, but Zach, I go Zach Moss just barely. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's close. They're like uh, number 36 and 39 in my uh, dynasty rankings. So. I, I have them 33 and 34. <laughs> and man, they've just been like, they've been ranked right beside each other almost on a weekly basis. It's crazy. Yeah. And it, it's kind of just a hot hand approach. Like, I think Ellen, gets yeah. hot early stays hot. I think there's certain matchups you can target Zach Moss if they're heavy favorites, certain matchups you can target. Because what people are kind of refusing to accept is that Devin Singletary's played the pass catching role in that offense uh, for whatever that's worth, about as much as the touchdown you know, goal line role in that offense for running back. But yeah, check this out. San Francisco has allowed just two running backs all season to hit 65 yards rushing Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers who Cam Akers had 61 yards on that one carry last week, but no running back has hit 90 yards rushing against San Fran all season. So I definitely think we're, we're sitting these guys, guys, we've talked a little bit about Cole Beasley in this episode. I think he's a locked in, you know, back end wide receiver two, maybe high end wide receiver three, whatever. But John Brown is on the IR. Uh, does anybody really worry about the Josh Allen splits with and without John Brown? I've heard a lot about that this week. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I think Josh Allen's proven that he's able to he's able to get the job done with the tools that he has, whether it be Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, and then the the complementary pieces of Zach Moss and Singletary and his legs. But I, like, if I if I've got Josh Allen, I'm comfortably rolling him out there, even in a, a tough matchup. I think this guy's still a locked and loaded top 12 QB who's like 
like San Francisco's favorite in this game. I, I believe that the Bills are going to come out and they got they to prove that they're going to win this game. You know, this is a really good team in the NFL, and they're kind of, in my opinion, like Vegas is slandering them with that. And if I'm them, I'm coming out. I'm ready to freaking play. You know. Well, I think what they're seeing is like a confluence of events where like Josh Allen has a bad game, whether it's the John Brown splits, whether it's Richard Sherman on the other side being back, mm-hmm. who hasn't allowed a touchdown or he's allowed one touchdown in his coverage since 2011. <laughs> That's wow. just outrageous. So That's crazy, man. Yeah, it makes no sense. So Stefan Diggs, you know, I think, we're not going to worry too he much. He did take some it. time off in there. He did. That is good <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. So we talked about Cole Beasley. What about Gabe Davis? Anybody uh, like, you know, they both connected for a touchdown last week. We kind of argued last week is what I'm saying about Cole Beasley or Gabe Davis. I don't think anyone had in the range of outcomes them connecting to one another. On a touchdown. Passing touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> that was Brian Dabble, you know, just another shout out yeah. to a Canadian born play caller. <laughs> that's wicked i you know if i had to pick between the two like i i actually i wouldn't be surprised if davis out out produces cole beasley this week you know like the talents there is in terms of deep threat on this team and with john brown down like I, all it takes is one play you know one 60 yard hookup and they got themselves a touchdown so i think it's certainly possible and gabriel davis is a talented player so yeah i'd fucking throw him out there why not Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of agree. Like, I don't see them too far apart, even if I would rank them much further apart because of that high variance that Gabriel Davis can see. Like, they both had just four targets last week, but Gabriel Davis had that big chunk play to go along with the touchdown pass and uh, over 50% of Josh Allen's passing yards against Los Angeles went to to Gabriel Davis. So I really, I really like him this week. Um, definitely is like a, a sneaky start at a DFS best guy and uh maybe even somebody i might throw into my cash lineups in dfs because he will be so low owned in that format uh what about the other wide receivers guys like brendan Ayuk is back is he a top 36 guy you know that's that's actually right on where he is in terms of ecr i think he's 35 right now and i think that's kind of where he belongs he's uh He's kind of a tough play, you know, coming back off the COVID IR list. Debo was able to emerge last week, have a huge game for 100-plus yards. I think he had eight receptions and and the touchdown. Like, it was just – that was crazy, right? So, it, Do you know he right? has more yards after the catch this season than he does and receiving it, yards? Oh, I believe it, man. He's like the – he's the drag king. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And he's the Rams kryptonite. Like, he just yeah. – the Rams can't stop a guy. Yeah, no kidding, man. So the the thing that bothers me is I don't know if a Nick Mullins offense can produce two top 36 wide receivers. So which one are you betting on then? I'd bet on Debo. Yeah, see, I'd, I might take Ayuk. Like, I love Debo and everything, but he's basically an extension of the run game, even if he is the best at being that guy in the mm-hmm. entire NFL. Uh, he is just averaging 1.7 air yards per target, which is just that's insane. <laughs> And uh, Brennan Ayuk can make your make your week on one play, and Nick Mullins is more likely to be throwing deep than even Jimmy Garoppolo was at, uh, under center. It's much more structured sure. under Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think it does come down to how this game plays out. This could be just a boring game because of the the total just kind of throws me throws me for a loop. Same with the 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 spread as well. So unless you know San Fran is forced to play comeback, maybe you guys are right. Um, I might honestly just avoid both of these guys in this matchup though. And, yeah, and I mean, sure. Debo and his his uh, depth of target very low, but his yards <laughs> after the catch are ridiculous. Leading, I think right. he's averaging over think twelve he, yards after the catch per reception. 
Unreal. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I was just reading about that recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's he's 12.9. Uh, I, I got it right <laughs> there. 12.9 <laughs> yards per catch, or that yards after the catch. And just like in case people aren't super like stat nerds, like that means that every time he catches the ball, once the ball's in his hand, he's averaging almost 13 yards afterwards. It's just insane. Which it's even crazier when you talk in terms like he's he's receiving the ball a yard and a half down the field and he's taking it 13 yards every play. How do you not know this is coming? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's consistently well, it's because he breaks a few tackles while doing so. Like yeah, oh, they, they know it's coming. He just yeah. yeah throws them to the ground on his way there. Well, the majority of his receiving yards last week came after contact, so they're ready Mm -hmm. for it. The Rams don't miss tackles. They're a spectacular defense, and Debo is still able to do what he did against them. Um, So I'm going to roll into Monday Night Football 1.0 here. So that was Monday Night Football 2.0. The 2 p.m. Monday Night Football game, or 5 p.m. for you losers out on the East Coast, is the Washingtons. At the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where's my terrible towel? Where's my jerseys? Um, 43 and a half total. Like, kill me. Ooh. Man, whenever I see whenever I see over-unders like this, I just, I always bet the over. I think it's, like, that just seems so low to me. Like, for, for these two teams, for one of them to not score 25, 30 points, like, 43.5, man, I'll hit that over every single day of the week. Steelers could do it by themselves. Like I think the defense could do it by themselves. Yeah, because I agree that Washington's <laughs> going to struggle to put up points. Like Alex Smith is in big trouble in this game. This game would almost elicit a conversation of, well, just like the trenches. The battle in the trenches is going to be brutal. Like this, you know, the Steelers are generating pressure over one third of the quarterbacks' dropbacks that that they're facing. Which the gap between them and the number two team is the same as the gap between number two and the team at 23 in pressure rate. So, and Morgan Moses is questionable with a groin injury on that offensive line. So I get it. Alex Smith is in big trouble, but they do have Antonio Gibson. They do have some weapons, Terry McLaurin and JD McKissick. So where, where do we stand on Antonio Gibson? He's the running back one overall in fantasy football over the last three games. He's a running back one, regardless of, of the Steelers being in a very tough matchup, uh, you know, regardless of them being a very tough matchup. So is anybody worried that you're going to start Gibson and he's going to sink your whole roster? Or are you fairly confident that he has a decent enough floor where he can, he cannot sink you? Yeah, I mean, I think that he, he's going to get work. Like regardless, they're not, they can't just completely abandon the run or it's going to get really bad for Alex Smith. So uh, I, I think he has a decent enough floor to where you can start him. Yeah, like I think if if Washington has any chance to win this game, they have to run the football effectively. There's no way around it. Like if you if you can't keep this Steelers offense off the field and be able to control the clock, you're you're just simply not going to win this football game. So I think Antonio Gibson has to be a, a to me he's he's a locked and loaded RB one, but he has to be that. Like if they have any chance of winning, that's that's where I put him and. Yeah, I love Antonio Gibson, man. Talented player. He's become more and more involved in the past game. We've seen uh, J.D. McKissick's targets uh, and receptions, obviously, both go down over the past two weeks with Antonio Gibson finishing as the RB1 over that span. Like, all the you know all the signs point to that. And, and when I look at this defense, like, J.K. Dobbins torched them for 112 yards two or three weeks ago. So I do think it's possible for Antonio Gibson. I believe in the talent. I think if this – team has any chance of staying in this game that's the way they they go about it so i'm rolling them out there without any concerns 
Yeah, I think we kind of have to hope for one of those big 100-yard games on the ground. I don't know if I'm worried about J.D. McKissick. I'm more worried about the matchup. Like, he scored a rushing touchdown in five straight games, eight total in that span, which means only four running backs have scored more touchdowns on the ground all season than Antonio Gibson has in the past five games. But the only running back to score a rushing touchdown in the past five games against the Steelers is Gus Edwards. Guys like Zeke, Geo, James Bernard, uh, James Robinson all held off the board. So, like, D. Brown, do you think J.D. McKissick comes back into the fold? Can he be a running back three? Or do you think, uh, like, he? I just think he could easily outsnap Gibson if they're playing from behind in this game. Yeah, no, this game definitely profiles as more of a J.D. McKissick type of game over Antonio Gibson. The only reason we're not really embracing that wholeheartedly is the hotness that Antonio Gibson has been the last three weeks. We want that to continue, and I do, like we said, mentioned, I don't think that he has a rock-bottom floor. I think he's going to get enough volume by Washington sticking to the run, and I do think that he is a good talent and he will provide uh, you know, a substantial amount of fantasy points. But I do think that his ceiling is capped, and J.D. McKissick might actually have the higher ceiling out of the two running backs for this game against Pittsburgh. Totally. I hope and you're I, wrong. Well, <laughs> I think I think, he, I think D. Brown could be. I think it's there's sort of a trap thinking running backs could see a ton of production in the passing game against Pittsburgh this year. That's what we've seen, at least. Like, only one running back has more than four catches all season against them. That was Saquon Barkley in week one. And 10 games straight since then, Pittsburgh has held opposing running backs to under 25 yards receiving in every game. Just one receiving uh, touchdown allowed to backs, too. So I think J.D. McKissick will will have to do much. You know, he'll have to do what some of the more talented backs haven't been able to do this year. And I think you definitely have to start Antonio Gibson, but you definitely have to account for the fact that the game script could get out of get out of favor for him. And 100% we're starting Terry McLaurin, right? Like exactly seven catches mm-hmm. in four of the past five games. He is dealing with an ankle injury. He's technically listed as questionable. Um, I don't know if I can say the same thing about Logan Thomas, though. Pittsburgh allows the fewest fantasy points to the tight end position. Is anybody thinking Logan Thomas has proved himself enough to be started in like the toughest fantasy matchup or are we are we out on him this week give me Ferks or I'm out. yeah i'm out <laughs> man like i like logan thomas i i do think that he can be a, fi- a viable fantasy option uh in in most matchups but like, against the pittsburgh steelers allowing seven points to the tight end per game mm-hmm. i just i want nothing to do with that yeah um, Chris Boswell, speaking of wanting nothing to do with him, uh, that basketball game. So he's questionable for this game, the kicker for the Steelers. I just want to mention it because it's pretty much the only injury to really be aware of. And maybe Pittsburgh goes for it more on fourth downs instead of uh, kicking field goals. I always like to see that. Ben Roethlisberger, he's banged up with a knee injury. That's the other one enlisted as questionable. This game is on Monday night. It is a tougher matchup. On the other hand, Ben is hot. So can we roll him out? What do you think, Justin? Is he a top 12 quarterback this week? Uh, I have him inside my top 12 for sure. Uh, I mean, he, he's been, I mean, he's been doing it. I, and he, I love how, how he's been doing it too. Cause it's not like the big Ben that we've seen in the past where he's throwing the ball, you know, deep down the field. He he's brought those uh, targets uh, in quite a bit. And I don't know if that's due to the injury or, or what, but he, he's definitely been producing and, and with those wide receivers there. So, yeah, I definitely have him inside my my uh, top 12. Yeah, and it, it seems like it's just a mix of, you know, a lack of a running game and the ability to use some of these wide receivers as an extension of that running game. Uh, so if you look 
like over the past four games, Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver six overall in PPR. Juju is the wide receiver nine overall. Chase Claypool is the wide receiver 13 overall. Eric Ebron is the tight end five overall. So I totally agree that what we've seen in recent weeks has been really impressive. Do you guys want to, anybody want to rank the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers for me this week and going forward? Hmm. Going forward, I'd go Deontay Claypool Juju looking into 2021 because I don't think Juju is going to be on the roster anymore. And I just love Deontay Johnson, man. And yeah, you know, Chase Claypool's our home true north boy. So got to give some love out there. Maple Patron. Yeah, what do you think, I, I Sorry, yeah, go, Justin. Oh, I was going to say, I agree with that. I have them in the same order. So. Yeah, me too. You know, I think Claypool's got the higher ceiling. Juju may 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 provide you a safer floor on a weekly basis rest of season, but uh Deontay is king. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I just want to add on to that too. Like the safe floor that Juju gives you, I don't think it I don't think it it outproduces the upside that either Claypool or Deontay can give you. So like if I gotta pick between the three of them, I'm basically always scratching Juju because I just don't think the upside is as high. And I think the, the upside is so much higher for Deontay and Claypool that it just it completely outmatches what Juju can give you as as a floor option. Agreed. Agreed. So I guess that's pretty much all I wanted to hit. I guess we could talk the running backs. Like, what are you guys doing with James Snell? Are you guys going to roll them out as a running back too or no? James yeah. Snell? <laughs> yeah, or he yeah, makes Benny, James Connor and Benny Snell together. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe we get an RV1. Yeah, no, I, I don't think this, like, you know, we talk about these weapons, we're excited to roll them out there. I don't think you can have three offensive receiving options and a, a running back, you know, even four receiving options with Eric Ebron. I just don't think there's enough enough targets to go around. Totally. I, I kind of put him in a tier with, like, those Buffalo Bills running backs. Like, that's how low I am on uh, mm-hmm. Benny Snell. Even in a game that Pittsburgh is favored by a full touchdown, which, by the way, I got in at, at Washington. Uh, or, sorry, uh, Pittsburgh minus 9.5. So, uh, pat Oof. myself on the back there. And I will move on to the last game of the day. So, this is another Tuesday night football game. The Dallas Cowboys at the Baltimore Ravens. We can definitely fly through this one. RB2 Zeke, right? This guy's an RB2 <laughs> now, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is. Crazy. Do you guys think it's because of his talent? Do you guys think it's because of the situation? Is he not able to transcend his situation and lacking the elite offensive line? Or is it just as simple as him not getting the the pass catching work and not being in such a high-powered offense? Uh, I mean, he wasn't overly getting that pass catching work before. Uh, we saw it boost up a little bit at the end of last season, and we thought we were going to see more at the beginning. But quite frankly, man, Zeke just looks like he doesn't care. He gets out there and like, he just does not look like he even cares about what happens to the team. So for me, like, I don't know. I think Tony Pollard gets even more involved. And if this division starts to get, you know, a little more, a little more spread out and one of these teams starts to pull ahead, like it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me to see Pollard start to, you know, take 40, 50% of the snap share. So I wouldn't worry about that happening. I don't know, man. I are you talking well, just, in terms? I'm thinking yeah, like Washington, someone pulling yeah. away. Yeah, Washington, yeah, yeah. Okay, Steelers, gotcha. Giants, Seahawks. Yeah, it's just a that's a tough ask. Yeah, I, honestly, but man, Jules, I didn't think this division could possibly get any worse, and now the Giants are leading that division, and it's Colt McCoy as their quarterback. So 
<laughs> and Wade Gallman as their starting running back. Exactly. <laughs> well, Carson Wentz and, and uh, Miles Sanders are in last place. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just looking at it. So with Dak, Zeke actually was getting six and a half targets per game. He's down to about just under four per game without him. Hmm. But the expected PPR points, like if you look at expected fantasy points, this is something Hayden Winks at Roto World is really good at posting. With Dak, he was up almost 25 expected fantasy points per game under 15 without him so definitely something that we're gonna have a lot of debate about i think in the offseason is zeke a top 12 running back yeah, maybe that, the rookie running back class comes in and puts that one to bed and that's crazy yeah, that, man. that offensive line is i mean that's definitely a thing too uh mm-hmm. they had an elite offensive line since he stepped into that role and now he's finally playing without it he's fumbling more because he's getting hit more i mean mm-hmm. behind the line of scrimmage and you're right. He just looks like he doesn't care. It's true, though. Like, how do you not shore up that ball security at some point? Because drop right. passes have been an issue with Zeke as well. And it's mm-hmm. just mind-blowing. So, speaking of which, Hollywood Brown, boys, Chase McSorley, that 70-yard touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown, that was the longest play of the season for the Baltimore Ravens last week. Um, so, do we hope he starts again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That was a pretty brutal, pl- brutal pass. He was wide open, and he underthrew him. And- yeah. Like Hollywood is just able to be the athlete that we know him as and, and make a nice play on Minka Fitzpatrick at the end there and take that one out in for the house or to the house. But man, it, like, I don't, I don't want to start him. I don't want to play him in this game. Like even in a, even in a good matchup against this putrid uh, Dallas secondary, I, I just cannot feel confident really about any of the pass catchers in this offense. You know, there's the 31st for um, receiving yards a game. And most of this team just runs through the running backs and Lamar. So I'm staying away. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny. Like I, I went to bat pretty hard for Marquise Brown two weeks ago in a great matchup and he came out and goose egged me. So you know, I, I think I'll leave him as a wide receiver four, unfortunately, but with upside. He's basically Henry Ruggs, ironically. He's just, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, he's That's a little point. bit higher on that totem pole. Like, But the volume is equally uh, hard to come by in an offense that it will always be among the league leaders, uh, or sorry, the league ba- in the basement when it comes to, to volume. So definitely we're not starting Dez in the in the revenge game, but I did have to mention that this is a revenge game for Dez. Um, what about what's what's Mark Andrews' status? Does anybody know? Because I actually have no idea. I, mean, I don't know that he's cleared COVID. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't been cleared yet. Right? No, no, he has not. So that I mean that lifts up Marquis. Like it, it'll always frustrate me that Marquis Brown and Henry Ruggs, especially that these guys aren't being used uh, in a way that Debo Samuel is. You know, give this guy two or three times to try and show you his athleticism after the catch because they sure as hell have it. No um, kidding, man. Yeah, like so the that, Chiefs are great with Miko for that. You know, like we look at these players, but like the the Chiefs get Miko the ball very similarly. You know, ten yards down the field and they let him run with it. Like, just imagine what Ruggs could do if he was able to get that, even yeah, three targets we, a game like that. We think of the Chiefs as an aired out passing attack. They are top three in the NFL all the last three years straight in yards after the catch. So 100%, they, like, man. Yeah, that's Andy Reid in, in a nutshell. He schemes every way. Um, mm-hmm. What about J.K. Dobbins? Is he uh, like a solid running back, too, in this game? If, yeah, yeah. If, I'm start, if I'm starting a Baltimore running back, that's the one I'm starting. Yeah. 
so any worries about him being vultured? Like, does he have a cap ceiling? Because we know he's not getting the pass catching work. That's just not going to occur in this offense, the running back target share. But do we worry about the touchdowns with Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram? I mean, absolutely. I, I think as, little, as long as Lamar Jackson's on the field, you're going to have to worry about those touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's well put, man. Like, I'm, I, I'll, I'll throw Dobbins out there. If he just – Due to this matchup, right, the the Cowboys ranked 25th against running backs, giving 25 points a game. And I think it is a plus matchup. Like even if those 25 points don't go, all go to don't go to Dobbins. I think there's a pretty safe floor there. And you know, if he gets in the end zone, you're looking at an RB two week, which I'm feeling pretty comfortable with. Yeah, yeah I, I currently have him as a high end RB two myself. Mm. Oh, really? So you are a little high on him this week. And I think that's like, why not? Because you know that breakout can come at any time. And we also know he's like easily the most talented running back. He also has held kind of the more valuable role in this offense throughout the whole season. Uh, It's just that we don't see a lot of pass catching or anything. Uh, What do you you think about these pass catchers for Dallas, uh, D Brown? Like, do you have uh, like, are you you starting Amari confidently? But what do you think of CD Lamb? Um, I mean, Amari's been the only one that seems to be somewhat consistent. Uh, so if I'm starting one, he's the one I feel best about. Um, you know, Gallup's definitely not touching my starting lineup probably rest of the season. Um, and CD, you know, I don't I don't mind having him as a deep flex play, but it's not a great matchup for him this week either. So um, really I'm trying to avoid most of the Cowboys if I can help it. Yeah, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think it's a terrible matchup for CeeDee Lamb, who I've usually gone to bat for out of this wide receiver room because the quarterback play because the offensive line because he's a slot wide receiver. But, yeah, he's going to get uh, Marlon Humphreys uh, tomorrow. And I think it'll be Marcus Peters on Amari Cooper, so I'd, I'd probably rather take uh, the Amari Cooper route, especially in, like, a DFS setting or something. So I think that's pretty much all I got. Anybody want to add anything on Dalton Schultz? Uh, man. <laughs> Not really. Oh, man. I, like, he came out. He actually had a, a pretty good fantasy showing last week, but I just can't rely on it. Man. I, like, yeah, I can't trust him. Yeah. yeah I'll that's exactly Logan, Logan Thomas this week. Who, who are you playing, Schultz yeah. or Hooper? I'll, I'll play him over Hooper. Thomas, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm sitting him in my Scott Fishbowl that I need to get through in. Hey, uh, could you do me a favor just go and play him? <laughs> Ty and I are in the same Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Well, I really, I just, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody has a really good fantasy week this week. Make sure you're following at the clock management, sorry, at management clock, and then make sure you, you YouTube in the, in the search bar clock management fantasy, subscribe to the channel. Uh, I, I just, I can't stress how excited I am for jewels. You have in uh, Jordan McNamara, who's just the, the dynasty goat. In my opinion, somebody who is a, a fantasy epiphany having machine, like you'll literally make you approach fantasy football differently after you hear yeah, this man. guy talk. I uh, am D Brown at Dynasty Sons. You guys are the kings over there and queens, of course, at D Brown FF 88. So really can't thank you guys enough for coming on. Uh, say bye to to everybody out there and I'll, I'll shut her down here, boys. All right. See you later, guys. Appreciate it.